I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George I hop in the Porsche with five and a horse I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws To turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you be surprised Hello and welcome to JK Plus One This is episode, I don't know, 22 I am your host, Jonathan Kinch And I am not PTF Um... I don't know what PTF's doing. I would assume PTF is probably, you know, messing with his beard. He's probably online shopping for hats. Uh, but his neighbors, he's getting Amazon packages all the time of hats, I would imagine. His neighbors probably hate him. Um, anyways, uh, it, uh, thanks for coming back and hanging out with us. A uh, couple of fun episodes, if you haven't seen yet, that are on YouTube. You can subscribe to that YouTube channel. Um, we've got, uh, the, the video I did with Marshall Graham, where we went over the Breeders' Cup races and the races, uh, in the BCBC where we ran one, two, and then recently did a video with Lafitte Pinkai the third and Terrence Deegee, uh, our producer on the Fox shows. And we watched the hour and a half Travers broadcast, which I, I thought was a lot of fun to kind of give you some behind the scenes, let you know, uh, what it is like to, to host one of those shows and to produce one and to be involved. And, and I thought it was a lot of fun. So uh, good visuals as well. So check that out if you have not already. Uh, I'm excited uh, to have two friends on um, uh, th- this week. Uh, we'll go an hour with each of them and, and to have a chance to talk about uh, this phenomenal, phenomenal horse. We were all had the privilege of watching this year, Vacoma. Unfortunately, he wasn't, uh, didn't get to make it to the uh, to the Breeders' Cup Sprint. He, he he had a fever leading up to it, but such a cool horse and a horse that I believe uh, should be champion sprinter. And and so I wanted to have these two guys on to have a chance to talk about it. Um, obviously, Randy Hill owns this horse in partnership uh, with Mike Gatsis. I, I think I met Mike one time, and it was at Saratoga at Salevo. So. If uh, if 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 he likes Salevo, he's clearly an intelligent man and and uh, had a had a, a great run with this horse. But Randy and George and I are I, I like to call them friends. You know, Randy actually even sends uh, funny memes to me sometimes. So you, you probably didn't know that Randy did that. Randy and I tied this summer in the uh, in the in the shirt contest. He's more of the the long sleeve variety. I'm more the short sleeve. But uh, we talk about that as well. In this, and then George, who I've gotten to know uh, well over the last couple of years, with uh, with my relationship with Jake Ballas and, and Jake and George, uh, go back and, and have a good relationship as well. So it was fun to have these two friends on and to be able to 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 really talk about uh, Randy and Mike's horse in a way uh, to, to kind of point out who he was as an athlete and and, and to to kind of highlight some of of, of his year. And, um, and I'm excited to do that. Um, I, I do want to say that th- this is a, I, I said at the beginning of the show and I hint throughout the show that I like Vacoma for champion sprinter and to win the eclipse. But I do need to say that, uh, I think Whitmore is a super cool horse. I think that, uh, that if I could, if I could have a horse, um, he'd be on the list of the types of horses that I would want a hard knocking, hard trying, showing up running, racing, doesn't win every race, but he, he can win at the highest level. And he showed that in his Breeders' Cup sprint win. Um, will I be shocked, disappointed, angry, or outraged if he wins uh, Sprinter of the Year? No, not at all. I just, my lean is for Vacoma as a horse. And and obviously for, for my friends, Randy and, 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 uh, and George. So 
that's where I'm at on this. I've been wanting to get George on, been wanting to get Randy on, and I thought this was a good opportunity to get both of them. So we're going to start off with Randy, and uh, we'll go with Randy for about an hour, and then we'll 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 pick up with uh, with George Weaver, and uh, we'll wrap it up there. So without uh, me carrying on any longer, my friend Randy Hill. Randy, my my shirt nemesis this uh, this summer in Saratoga. How's it going? It's going great. I'm not sure who won the contest, you or me. I'm going to call it a tie. That's fair. That's fair. Your shirts are nicer than mine, though. Mine are, you know, I'm usually a short sleeve variety. You're more the long sleeve variety. Uh, but you look good nonetheless. Well, you know, you look good, too. We're a good team. You got the short sleeve. I've got the long sleeve. We got it all covered. We got it all covered. Um, Randy, obviously you've been in this game for a while, but, uh, some special things have happened to you in the last couple of year, uh, years with a, a horse by the name of Vacoma. Uh, tell me a little bit about Vacoma and what he means to you and, and, uh, what he means to your stable. Well, as you say, uh, Jonathan, I've been in the game over 20 years and, you know, Vacoma is a horse that you always dream about and, you know, 98% of people never, never happen. You know, he's been such a thrill to me and give me so, so many thrills and been such a, a wonderful horse that I don't think is an owner. It, he, I, I, I don't know if you'll ever get another one. My, my son, who, who wants to get into the game also, he's about 25, said, you know, maybe one day we'll have a triple crown winner. I said, even if we do, we'll never have a horse as good as Vacoma. So, I mean, he means uh, uh, so much to me and so much to my partner, Mike Gaddis, and, 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 to, and to George and Cindy. He's just been, you know, he's this very special horse. And I'm I'm just through. Th- he took me on a great ride. His, his name was, um, he was named by Mike Gaddis after his uh, father was share the rails, uh, ride the rails. So Vacoma is actually the name of the first company that made a roller coaster. So I say, uh, he certainly gave me, a, he gave me a roller coaster ride. That's for sure. But most of it was straight up. Now you mentioned George and Cindy, obviously George and Cindy Weaver. Where, where did you, how did you meet George and, and how important was he uh, to, to Vacoma's success? Uh, I met George. George first started out training, and I had two horses. And uh, uh, Mike Ryan bought a horse for me. And he said to me, he knew a team, a husband and wife team that that had just get started. I was new in the game, and they were new in the game. So, so I met George. Uh, and I had a horse called uh, Christine's Outlaw. And I never forget, I met George in, in Florida. Uh, we went out to dinner for the first time and met each other. And I said, uh, "Well, what do you think about the race tomorrow?" And he said, "Well, he, he won't win. He won't win tomorrow, but he'll win next time." Um, and so we, I said, okay, George, that's great. And, uh, the horse won by, by 11 lengths the next day. <laughs> now, um, you, you, your mom, I read somewhere, your mom took you to the track for the first time when you were 12. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was a kid. I used to go down, used to go down the shore to, to Mammoth racetrack. And my, my mother used to, we used to go every Saturday. My mother played three and six and six and three. I was about eight or 10 years old. And uh, that's why I started going to the racetrack. So, 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 so what, what's really interesting, Jonathan, is that when I had two horses in the Derby, one was three and one was six. So I, I, I thought I was fated to win based on that, but it didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure the three six probables weren't paying well. I, I'd imagine you loaded up on those. <laughs> yeah, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's ever wondering what happened to those payouts, it was probably Randy's fault. Um, you know, Randy, it's funny. Like. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to to get to hang out with you a few times this summer, and and uh, when I was doing just to kind of read through some things before we got on this call, just to make sure I asked you all the interesting stuff. 
the one thing that kept popping up and I couldn't agree more with from, you know, from trainers to partners to George to whoever was talking about you. They always talked about how much fun you were and how great you were for the game. I couldn't agree more. I, I think you're I think you're hilarious. I think you're happy. You're 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 thrilled no matter what when you see you in the winter circle, whether it's a cheap horse, whether it's a maiden race, whether it's a stakes race. Uh, what is it about this game that gives you so much joy? Well, I mean, you know, everybody kind of has their their hobbies. Some people play golf. Some people go fishing. I was have no interest in catching a big marlin, but you know, for those two minutes when you're sitting there, there's, there's you, Jonathan. You know this game as well as I do. The highs and the lows are unbelievable. I had two years where I couldn't even buy a winner, and then you win with a twenty thousand dollar claimer, and you're sh- screaming when they're coming down the stretch. So it's it's the thrill of winning. You know, it's just it's 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 the thrill of of being in the game and winning. I mean. J.J. Uh, Pletcheroy said at Saratoga, you always know when one of Randy's horses make it a move down the stretch. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just such an exciting game. It gives you so, so, so many good feelings. There's nothing I'd rather do. Now you've got a lot of passions, and uh, horse racing being one of them. And the other one that you've, uh, you've rubbed off on me a little bit is uh, this, your love for Burgundy wine. I've, I've, been, uh, I've been scouring the, the wine shops here in Texas looking for, uh, for Burgundy's trying to, to up my game a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit about your collection. Well, it's interesting. I, 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 uh, you know, I come from kind of humble beginnings, come from kind of a, uh, down in Newark, New Jersey. Down, down, uh, and uh, as when I, when I, after I graduated college, I married a girl from France. It's a funny story. I married her and I didn't know anything. I'd never been to Europe. I didn't know anything at all about wine. And so we, we, we decided to, to move in together. And when we got married, she said, we were going to get married. She said, you have to meet my family. So I said, sure. So I got my passport. I went to France. I couldn't speak a word of French. We took a, a train down, down, down to, down to Alaxcoton, which is where she's from, which is in Burgundy. And we, um, we pulled up and there, 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 I'm sitting in front of a gated estate. And I looked up at heaven and I said, Mary Francis, if you could see me now, <laughs> so I went in and uh, I sat down. And they made dinner for me. And they offered me a glass of wine. And it was like nothing I'd ever had before. And that's how I got my interest in it. And and um, my, my uh, alleged father took me down down into the, the cellars of some of the most famous growers in the world. That's actually where I learned French. And so that's how I got into Burgundy. And I always say, once you drink Burgundy, you don't drink anything else. So uh, I've got about twenty five hundred bottles of wine in my in my cellar. But not actually, Jonathan, not that much anymore since COVID. I've, Probably got a lot less. <laughs> You've been getting after it. Huh? I, you know, what's funny is I, I saw a, um, I didn't finish it. I, I saw part of it, but I saw like a documentary on uh, on Netflix. It was about some guy who was like scamming people with, with Burgundy wines. Have you seen that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It, it was like the, the worst thing. First of all, it, 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 it's the worst thing I ever heard of. What the, guy, what the guy actually in the beginning was a pretty reputable guy. And then what he started doing, he started making his own labels. And 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 uh, and putting making his own wine to put in. And of course, to me, what's astounding to me is the, is the human nature. You know, they're willing to pay a lot of money for this wine, and so because they paid a lot of money, they're, they're, it's affecting what, what what when they taste it. I mean, I always have one thing to say: the wine doesn't know what it costs any more than a horse does what it costs. So I could be sitting with you, and we can we can have a wine that's worth two thousand dollars. We can open up and say, Jonathan, this wine's not what it's supposed to be. I mean, so the, it's just amazing to me that this guy got away with it for so long. I mean, he, he, ultimately, he ultimately made a, a big mistake with the domain called Domain Romani Conti. What he didn't know was they, they numbered their bottles. And so when he was making their bottles, they, that, that's how they caught the guy. 
Unbelievable. Some people still shock me today. Some of the things they yeah. try to pull off. The things people come up with, it's, it's incredible. So you've been in the game for about 20 years, and we've, you've talked about how, you know, Vacoma is the best horse you've had, and it took you a while to get there. Um, what brought you back? Uh, what, you know, you, you, you had the experience as a child. Um, you had some professional success. What, what was that thing that kind of got you fully back involved in the game? Well, here's what happened. When I went to college, two of my, two, two of my, my fraternity brothers, we, we, we were, we were, we, we would, we'd go to track every once in a while. And so then we, I started to get it. After I graduated college, I started to get into it more. And then I went up to Saratoga and that was kind of the end for me. I said, look at this place. This is great. I went to the track. And at this time we we're getting into you know, serious handicapping, which as you know, is part of the allure of the game because, you know, handicapping is, is, is really a challenge to very, very, very mentally and intellectually. I mean, of course, you know, we always need luck, Jonathan, but so what happened was we, we, we went up to Saratoga and I fell in love with Saratoga and I actually ended up buying a little, a little place. Uh, I bought a place for, for $29,000 and there was going to be $30,000 if, if our refrigerator had a, had a defroster. So we, we took a refrigerator and went out of defroster because that's all the money we had. And so, you know, then, then I, I, started, I started going to Saratoga every season. I would go up and then, and, you know, I work, I work on Wall Street and, and about 20 years ago. I did a big, a big deal on the street and I had some money and I said, you know what, 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 what why don't I own horses? I've been, I've been lucky at everything I do. I'm, I'm pretty, do pretty well handicapped and I don't, I don't, I don't kill them, but I do okay. And I said, I'm pretty lucky. How hard can it be to be an owner? So I said, all right, I'm going to buy two horses. So I get, one's going to race to Saratoga and that's all I'm ever going to do because people always tell you, you know, it's a crazy game to be in. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a game you can ever expect to make money in. So, I bought two horses. Uh, I bought a horse uh, called Mabry's Boy, who, who, who won a big race, won a Grade Two in in, uh, in, uh, in Florida, and was the second choice in the in the Kentucky Derby Futures book. And I'm saying to everybody, why do you say this is so hard? I don't get it. I mean, look at this. I bought two horses. I got ones in the Futures book, and then the horse was running in the in the, in the Florida Derby and turned for home and both 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 tendons. And then I said, okay, welcome to the ownership game. So. And then from there, you know, I just I just started buying a couple of horses, a couple of horses, and I, I had some success. I, I won a couple of grade twos and a couple of grade threes, and you know, I just started liking it more and more, and became more involved. And George and I became good friends. And 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 then what I finally did later on was I decided to partner with a couple of people because it's not so much as you know, it's buying the horses, it's the, it's the bills that come in. So I I went partners with Mike Gaddis. He's been a great partner. I went partners with Dean Reeves. He's been a great partner. And so, uh, you know, I end up with, with a lot of horses. And um, I, I think part of the reason for my success over the last couple of years is, is I've, I've spread the well, you know, spread the risk out a little bit. And, and Stephen knows who buys the horses for me has done a great job. And so I've been blessed. I've been blessed with, with, with good trainers and, 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 and good partners. And, you know, you got a little lucky. And then, then all of a sudden, the one a lifetime horse comes by. And that, 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 that makes up for it all. Are most of your horses um, proven on the track, the ones that you partner on? Or you, you do a lot. Uh, I mean, I know you did. You partnered with Up and Smoke, obviously, with our friend Jake Ballas and Black-type sure. Thoroughbreds. Um, is it is it the, the babies and the young ones, or do you kind of mix it up? I, I really mix it up. You know, so I, I, the way I got involved with Jake, and what a great guy he is to, to meet him, was George was buying a horse, and, you know, he, they, they were bidding on it, and, and Jake didn't want to pay that much, so he said – 
you know, you, uh, you, would you partner with somebody? So George suggested me, and I'd met Jake around the barn. So that's how Jake and I met. We became we became friends. You know, the three of us were hanging around together at uh, this year. And then I partnered with him on another horse, uh, uh, at, which is unfortunately not on the track yet. So and and I bred a couple of times, which without very much success. And I bought some two-year-olds in training. So I, I've done most of it. You know, I've done a lot of it. I mean, I, I try to spread it around a little bit. And now, of course, I've got uh, so three shares with um, with Vacoma. So I'm, I'm gonna. I've got two mares that I'm gonna of my own that I'm gonna breed with him, and then I'll probably full share with somebody else. I think he's gonna be a great stallion because, you know, I, I don't know. I just I don't know if I ever saw a horse. I mean, you've 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 seen a lot of horses, and, and I, you know, I've been involved with this horse since day one, but I never saw a horse that just refused to lose. I mean, I mean, you know, the, the Carter and, and, and the Manhattan Mile, I mean, were just were races to behold. Yeah, no, he was he was sensational this year, undefeated. Uh, he won the Sir Shackleton impressively, came back and won the Carter in the slop and ran an unbelievably fast number, and then won the Met Mile, which to me is one of the most important races in this country. Uh, you know, I think it's important probably for us to, to mention that, I, you know, I think that maybe some people might consider that uh, a route race, but man, I, I think that's why it's so special. It's because it's both. I think it's, it, it's, it's the, it's, it stretches out sprinters and you cut back route horses. And that's, what's so great about it. It's where stamina meets speed. And if you can win that race, you're kind of the best of, of, of both. You're the best when it comes to speed. You're the best when it comes to stamina. We saw it with Matoli last year and, uh, and he went on to win champion sprinter. We saw it this year with Vacoma. Um, how, what do you say to people who are, who would say that the Met Mile is a route? Well, I, I say two things. I say, if you want to talk about Vacoma, he was absolutely the fastest horse in, in America this year. I mean, when he, he's the only horse who ran a zero rag number. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how many horses have ever done that. He did that in the Carter, you know, which he won by seven or eight lengths. And I mean, the fact to me, you're talking about the, the, the Met Mile is a one-turn race. So, I mean, I don't know. You look at the Met Mile, and, and the, the, the most memorable part of me is when he was turning for home and all those grade one horses surrounded him, and he just re-engaged and won. I mean, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's stamina. Uh, it, it's both. It blends both. And he was the fastest. He was the fastest horse. He was the fastest horse in any sprint in the corner. Zero on the rags. Now you come out and you put him in a Met Mile, and he goes and wins that too. I, I, you know, and of course – Look, there's an argument to be made, you know, about about not not running it, not winning the the, the Breeders' Cup. But you know, I know, and it, uh, people will say I'm prejudiced, but I know he didn't lose the he didn't lose he didn't lose the Breeders' Cup. The temperature made him lose the Breeders' Cup. I mean, the horse was going to be three to five, three to five in a Breeders' Cup. I mean, it, it just you know, just an unfortunate un, un, an unfortunate set of circumstances. But there's an old adage in sports you don't lose your position over an injury and that's kind of i feel when i look at vacoma i say you know I, what else would you want the guy to the horse to do he's undefeated around around one turn he, 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 he's, he i don't know I, I i i don't i just shake my head when people say that yeah i mean obviously whitmore's uh, performance in the in the sprint was impressive and and he's a cool horse he's got a great career um but, you know, I think the first part of, of Whitmore's year was, was fairly underwhelming. If you want to compare it to a couple, you know, what what uh, what Vacoma was able to do in the Met Mile and the Carter. Um, and I think it's also, look, I don't know if you want to take into consideration, but I think it's at least a talking point that Vacoma was the morning line favorite in the race that really kind of thrust Whitmore into the conversation. And to your point, 
I mean, look, I know I'm I'm probably biased too, but I would have singled Whitmore on, I mean, uh, Vacoma on everything. I would have singled him on absolutely everything. I loved his post. I loved him drawn outside. He was going to be able to sit, watch everything underneath him. I, I just think he would have been extremely tough. And that's not to take anything away from Whitmore. I mean, he, he had a great year. No, but... no, no. No, I, no, you can't take anything away from him. He, 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 look, he ran, he ran a very good race. You know, look, that track was lightning fast that day. We all know that. Um, and and he took it, it and, and that, that that his numbers reflect that, but I mean I can, I can tell you this and I think I don't know if you, I think you know we've talked about it but Bacoma was never better going going into the going into the into the um, into the Breeders Cup he was never been better in his life he's been moving better he was he was feeling good I mean you know like you said you know uh, I would have singled him uh, all the way to the bank I mean but you know look it's just enough it's horse racing and of course. You know, all horses get hurt, Jonathan. You know that. But the point is, he, he, he had his aches and pains. He was off for a while. But he never, never had a sick day in his life. And for, for you as an owner, for me as an owner, three days before the Breeders' Cup, where I'm going to be two to five or three to five and get a fever, that was probably the one thing I thought. I, it took me a long time to recover from that. I mean, I've, I've, you know you get calls from your trainers. These horses get hurt. Things happen. I accept that as part of the game. But it really took me a long time to get over to get over that. That was that was something. You get a horse like this, you know. You you you, you, you want to play in big races. I, I played in the Kentucky Derby. I was fifteen to one. Okay, there's a difference between being fifteen to one and three to five. So you know, I, I, as again, I don't take anything away from Whitmore. I know he's the sentimental choice. He's been around a long time, and he did, and he did win the he did win the Breeders' Cup. But you know, if you look at what Bacoma accomplished versus what he accomplished for the year, I mean, it, it, to me, it, there's it, 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 to me, it's an open and shut case. Obviously, I'm biased. I own the horse, but I mean, even if I was, if I didn't own the horse, and I was, and I was looking at this, I would have to say, which which horse was the fastest horse, the better horse for the year? And to me, I guess, as you said, Whitmore ran a good race. I won't take anything away from a winner, but you know, if you look at, if you put it side by side, who had the better year? Right. When it comes to now, you you, you said something that reminded me of a story you told. Uh, you you said that you, you know you you know you're gonna get those calls from your trainer. Um, I think I remember you saying that when George called you, you didn't answer because you knew it was bad news. No, no, no. So, so here you are. You, you're you're sitting there. You're excited as you can be. Three thirty, three thirty in the morning, three days before the Breeders' Cup. George Weaver's number comes up. I said, no, no, I'm not answering this. <laughs> I'm not answering this call. I said, I don't care. So 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 George called me back again. I put my head under the pillow. I turned my phone down to silent. And then George texted me and said, call me now, call me now. So I called him. I said, D- D- I said, I-, I know what, I know what you're going to say. Just say it softly. Oh, that's gotta be the worst. Oh, it was the worst call I ever got. The worst call I ever got. It, it, it worst call I ever got in racing. The worst call I ever got in business. I've had some bad, I've had some deals fall apart. I've had deals fall apart for money. I've had some bad things happen, but the, the emotion that you go through, to be at to be at the Breeders' Cup and to be the big favorite with a horse like that that you love, and then it happens three days before it's it's devastating. I mean, I didn't even I didn't even want to go to the tra- I didn't even want to go to Breeders' Cup. I, 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 I said I'm not going to come to the races. The George said you got to come. So I mean, of course, the the, the funny thing was we we had a horse ever dangerous running the day before in the small stakes, and he wanted seventy five to one. So I mean, at least. George says maybe there's the, maybe maybe the racing guys love us just a little bit to take a, 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 an inch out of this thing. So, but yeah, it was tough. 
Now, you, you mentioned um, earlier that you, you came from humble beginnings and, and you've shared some of those stories with me. And, and I just wanted to, to see, you know, obviously you've had success, but a moment like that when, when you're just the, 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 just the height of disappointment, do you feel like the way that you were raised, the way that you, your, your upbringing, do you think that that uniquely um, helped you handle the situation or do you think it makes it harder because you, it, it just, it, it just kind of takes a big chunk out of you because you were so emotionally invested in it. No, no, it's, it, 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 look, without the way I was brought up, you know, I, I left home when I was very young and my, my aunt, my aunt Margaret took me in to live with her. I mean, God bless her soul, because without her, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. I certainly wouldn't be here. And so I think that when you deal with adversity, especially when you're young and the kind of adversity I dealt with, I dealt with, it's, it absolutely makes you, makes you, makes, it makes it, it helps you deal with that situation. It certainly does. I mean, I, I look, you're, you know, you're the sum total of your experiences and you know, there's that old expression, you know, which doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I kind of believe that, but yes. The answer to your question is, is, a, is absolutely a yes. That I think that the the things I adversity I I endured in my youth definitely helped me at that moment. Now, obviously, like you mentioned the ups and downs, and I, I think that we should at least mention that uh, you know you'll buy them at the sale, you'll you'll buy them off the track, but you've also had some success claiming. Um, you claimed a horse by the name of Tax, who was uh, was a was a. a big runner on the on the derby trail and has had some time off and then came back uh saturday and was unbelievably impressive and and you told me he was gonna run well too and and uh and you were right obviously you're excited about tax moving forward yeah obviously i mean you know one thing you know and i know is you know you got to move on you got to move on in life you got to move on you know especially in a horse game when the horses you know I, i did shed a tear when when I, when I watched Vacoma walk into the shed row over at, over at Spendthrift, I, do, I will say I'm very hard to bring me to tears, but I, I, both George and I were teary-eyed when, when we saw him walk away. So now you look at tax and you say, well, maybe I, got, maybe, 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 maybe I really am that lucky because it looks like I got a big horse you know, going forward. I mean, we're, I think we're, we're, we're going to point towards, the, 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 towards Pegasus. So we've got him, and that certainly helps. I think he's going to be a very serious horse. And then I've got you know, channel maker who's who, who's who's probably I think uh, g- going to win turf champion of the year, and we're probably going to Dubai with with him. So, yeah, I've got I mean, uh, unbelievably, unbelievably, I get Bacoma, and now I've got two other very good horses, but not not a Bacoma, but two very good horses. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think I was talking with someone about this recently. I mean, I think channel maker is an absolute slam dunk. He won two grade yeah, ones I- and ran third in the turf to a, a to two freaky European horses. I, I mean, I, I, I feel like, and at the quarter pole, he looked like a winner. Um, yeah. and so yeah, I, yeah. I think he, he absolutely has to win that award. Well, you know, he, he, he ran two, two, one, two grade ones back to back with a one away buyer figure, then ran a one, one away buyer figure in, 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 in the, in the Breeders' Cup against the two best, the two best turf horses in the world. I mean, if they aren't there, we win by five. Yeah, and he was such a, he was such a cool horse too because you guys really seem to figure him out. Um, you know, one of my favorite interviews this summer that Maggie Wolfendale did was with was with Manny after uh, the Sword Dancer in Saratoga when when he said that uh, Manny said we've been trying to get this horse on the lead and we finally did and then we saw what happened. He, he almost won three Grade Ones in a row. He won two in a row, getting to the front end. What what was it like with that process? How did you guys figure out that that's exactly how he wanted to be ridden? 
Um, and how frustrating was it when he, when he wasn't getting to the front end in those in the couple of starts before that? Well, well you know, I, I, there's four partners in that horse. There's uh, Gary Barber and Adam Motel and, and, and Dean Reeves and myself. And so I was, I was, I was just, I don't even have the words to use. Say this horse must be on the front. That's where he wins. That that that's when he won the big race. Uh, but, but right 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 before right after I bought it. Right before I bought him, and then. The problem with this horse is he's an extraordinarily difficult horse to ride. Okay, he'll fight you. I mean, uh, what, 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 if, if you let him go out, he'll go out and run himself into the ground. And so I just, I don't know why, but I just, I called my partner and I said, look, I think Franco will fit this horse. And I don't know why, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I love Manny. I think he's a great rider. And I just said, I just, I, have, I think, so we called, we called Angel. And we, we got Manny, and Manny rode him, and, and that, that, the rest is history. I mean, he and Manny feel like a hand in a glove. I mean, oh, he's a t- tough horse to ride. Believe me. I, I, I own Tennessee walking horses. I've been riding since I was a kid. I wouldn't want to ride that horse under any conditions. <clears throat> so the, the answer was we got Manny on him, and Manny, Manny she said, Manny, <clears throat> here's what I said to Manny. Manny, win the race at the quarter pole, and I'll be happy with you. And get, get the lead. I'd be, be in the lead in the quarter pole. And, and, and to me, you win the race. So he's got them, and they 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 get along. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, you know, two grade one, she almost won three, and then then, then lost the race, you know, in, in the um, in the Breeders' Cup. No, he's so I'm very lucky. You know, I, I I've had Vacoma, uh, who's the the, the, uh, the best horse. That, it was the best horse ever. Right? But a heartbreaking experience with him. And now I've got I'm going to I'm going to Dubai and probably to Pegasus starting 2021. So. Uh, hard for me to complain at all about it. Well, those those baby Vacomas are going to be fun too. Obviously, uh, uh, I remember at uh, at dinner after the Breeders' Cup, you you uh, you were like a like an advertisement when you when you told me uh, something that I'd never heard about Vacoma. That's pretty interesting. He is a multiple Grade One winner, or he's a Grade One winner by a multiple Grade One winner out of a Grade One winner, and the only horse um, to stand at stud. Stand in Kentucky, right? Only yeah. horse stand in Kentucky with, with those credentials, and also the fastest horse of the year. So I don't know. You never know what a stallion's going to be because, you know, we had so many great ones that weren't any good. But if he, translate, if, he, if, he, if he could translate that heart of his into his offspring, we're going to have some, some, some horses. I mean, you know, you look at a stud like the Constitution and you say, well, maybe, 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 he, maybe he can be like the Constitution. We'll see. And I'll, and I'll definitely talk to George about this, but I wanted to at least get your take on it. But there's, there's been a lot made about uh, Vacoma and and his action, but I've I just I've talked to a lot of bloodstock agents that have nothing to do with you that say he's straight as he's straight as an arrow. He just that's just the way he runs. That's exactly right. If you, if you saw him, if you saw him around the barn and saw him walking, yeah, he just runs that way. I mean, it's an idiosyncrasy. It's not something he's going to pay, you know, pass on to his. Like so when we when we was trying to syndicate the horse, some of the people said well, we may pass that on. Well, he can't. He's straight as an arrow. He's it's just an idiosyncrasy the way he runs. And I always said, I'd rather have a horse with a little paddling motion that's being as good as he is than have a horse that runs straight as an arrow and can't win a $20,000 claimer. Yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of horses that don't paddle that, uh, <laughs> that can't break yeah. their maiden for 15. Um, yeah. you, you started off in this game buying a lot of horses and, and buying expensive horses. And, and at what point did you realize that partnering was, was, uh, was the best way to go about it? The, the reason you partner is because you can buy more horses and you can spread the bills around. And, and, and that's, that, that's the big expense in this game. I mean, 
you know, it, 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 you, you can get a good horse. He doesn't get to the track. He's, he, and, and you're just paying bills and no money's coming in. That, that's the problem. So if you've got a partner or two partners, that, that, that spreads, the, spreads the expenses out and also allows you to buy, to buy, to buy a few more horses. And I, I've, I've, I've changed my, my attitude about I don't really want to spend five or six or $700,000 on horses. I did that a couple of times. And and that and, and I didn't I didn't stop doing it because it didn't work out. It didn't. The most expensive horse I ever bought um, never stepped foot in a track. But the reason is I you know, I, I want to I decided to put a budget together where I could buy two or three or four horses. And and so I you know, I got a range that I want to spend. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be that big 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 uh, big bidder anymore. I stopped that a couple of years ago. <laughs> you were telling a story. I remember. I think George was telling you a story, or you guys were telling a story that George was trying to stop you, but then you had got a message that uh, that a stock had gone up quite a bit, and you and you went ahead and, and went past the stop sign and, and kept uh, kept bidding on a horse. George had George. This is the horse that never hit the track. So there, there, there's a, a stock that I own for, for for eleven years, and so we're, we're sitting in the we're sitting in the. Uh, we're sitting down at the sales and I'm bidding on this horse and George and I have a, 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 a absolute number that we're going with and I'm partners with, with Dean Reeves and we both agree on, on the limit and I get a text, I get a text and the, the, the stock was up a hundred points. So I'm bidding and George goes my left, my right hand, I'm bidding with my left hand. <laughs> so, so, finally, the, the guy said, you got it. And I said, oh Christ, do I really want this horse. So, so Reeves calls me and he goes, Oh, I was listening to the sale. I guess we didn't get it. I said, oh, we got it. He says, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it that George is on your right. You were bidding with your left. I can picture George yeah, he, trying to stop you. George, George is holding, my, holding me down. I'm bidding with my left hand. Uh, never again, I'll tell you that. Oh, that's the best. Tell me the story about your silks. Uh, they're not pink. They're salmon. Yeah, they're salmon. They're, they're, my, 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 my wife, Marina, she's, she's, from, she's from, uh, from, from, actually from Moscow. You've met her, but she's a very, very talented designer. I mean, she really is. She's done some amazing work and done some amazing, amazing things. And she, she designed the silks and she said, I want to have silks that we can see because I had had light blue silks before. Uh, uh, and, and when I, when we changed them, um, so everybody says they're silk and Rena goes, no, they're salmon. So salmon and gray was, she was, she was in complete charge of that. I, I, I had nothing to say about it. But you can certainly see us, that's for sure. Oh, that's for, yeah, you know where you're at always. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite stories this summer uh, that you told, and, and your answer was, was hilarious, where you were telling me a story about this very rare 1939 car that you have. And uh, I'll let you tell the story about the car, but my favorite response is when I asked you what it was worth, and you looked at me and you said, there's only four of them, so there's, no, there's really no way to say exactly what it's worth. Tell me a little bit about that car. Well, it, 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 it's an interesting car. I, I, um, when I was working for, I was working for a big, uh, when I was an institutional salesman, I used to, I used to come to London. And, uh, when, when, when I was there, the hotel I stayed would pick you up in, in a Daimler. And I was just so intrigued by them. They were, they were actually the Royal, the, the English royalties car. So I said, you know, if I ever get a, if I ever, if I ever get a, a limousine or a, I'm not going to get a, a Rolls Royce or else I'll get an old Daimler. So I, I did get one, and then I, I, I was looking one day um, um, in one of these uh, antique magazines, and this is kind of the story of my, 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 my luck. I, I, never, I, never had, I never saw it before in my life. I was sitting in a waiting room at, at, at the dentist. There was, this, there was this magazine there, I forget, Hennings or something like that. 
and they, they showed that there's an advertising for 1939 Chadworth Daimler convertible, you know, convertible. So I, I, I didn't think much of it. Then I looked it up. I looked it up online, and, and the story was there was there was 12 of them made in, in Southampton, England. And when the Germans bombed, when the Germans bombed, and only six came out. And so a guy had it for sale up in up in Boston, up near Boston. So I got in the car and I drove up there, and the guy had. He had a collection of, of, of antique cars that you cannot believe, maybe as big as two football fields. He had his own had his own body shop. He had his own mechanic. He had he made all his own parts. He had the Rolls Royce, the only Rolls Royce made in America, and it was made for Al Capone. I mean, he had. And so I, I said to him, "Why are you selling this car? I don't understand it." He said, "So when my wife wants the, the he was buying the, the only the first car." in a NASDAQ race that a woman drove in. And his, his wife wanted, and he said, I don't have any room. And she hates this car. So I said, okay. You know, so I, I, we talked for a while. We negotiated for a while. And I bought the car. And I was walking out of the, when I was walking, walking out, some got, two guys came in and said, look, we want to buy that car. So, so the guy, Alfred, said, talk to, talk to the new owner. He may want to sell it. So, <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I had, I had, I had a, and this, this winter, I brought it and had a lot of new brakes put on it, all kinds of stuff. But the only time I use it, John, is to drive back and forth to the track at Saratoga. I often say I'm better known by my car than by who I am. Uh, it's true. Everybody always says, well, how much is it worth? I say, well, there's only four of them. So I guess it's worth whatever I'm willing to, pay, to, to sell it for. <laughs> so, and the, the other funny story is that the, the Detroit National Antique Museum sends me a letter every year. It says, Mr. Hill, we understand that you are one of the remaining four owners of a 1939 Chadworth Daimler. Would you like to donate it to the museum? And every year I write back, no. <laughs> That's it. Do you want to donate it? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> sure. I appreciate Thanks for asking. Um, you also get some other interesting correspondence about the car, I think you said, almost on a yearly basis. Yeah, we we get a, we get a lot of we get a lot of calls from from people car collectors who call us and ask us, and say, you know, is the car available? This one particular person, which I, I don't think I should mention, but anyway, their their, their assistant calls me every year and says, look, there's got to be some price he'll take for it. And my assistant said, you need to stop calling. He's not going to sell the car. So that that that's, that stopped about a couple of years ago. Oh, that's unbelievable! Fast cars, fast horses. What's a race, Randy, that, that you haven't won uh, that you want to win the most? Uh, I'm assuming there's one that everyone wants to win, and maybe that's yours, but maybe there's another one. What's the, the race that you, you've always wanted to win? The Travers. More, more than the Derby? Yeah. I want to win the Travers. You know, I'm, I love Saratoga. That's right. That, that's right. So I love with Saratoga. I mean, I, 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 of course I'd love to win the Derby. But, and everybody, everybody disagrees with me. But it's a personal thing. I'm a Saratoga there. You see me. I'm down there every day. I go to races every single day. I'm, 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 I'm at the barn in the morning working out. I'm at the Oklahoma track. I mean, that's, it's a big part of my life. I mean, to win the Travers, whew. I mean, I, I had to lead in the Travers one year. I almost fell out of the box. My wife had to grab me by the back of my suit. I, was, I almost fell out of the box rooting for the horse. Yeah, it's funny. It's interesting, you know, and being up there the last, you know, three summers and, and really getting to spend a lot of time up there, you know, I kind of get it. It makes sense. I mean, the Kentucky Derby is the is the race that, you know, you could be at, a, at any wedding across the country and you tell someone you own horses, they're going to ask you, have you run in the Kentucky Derby? They're not going to ask about the Travers. That's the first question. Have you ever run the Kentucky Derby like everybody does? Oh, yeah, sure. I ran 10 or 12 times. 
Exactly. And so there's, that's part of the reason I think that that race is, is so coveted for, for owners, but people that have that close connection to Saratoga, they always answer the same question about it being the Travers. And it makes sense to me. It might not have made sense to me prior to spending a lot of time up there, but now it, it does. It totally makes sense to me. Well, Jonathan, you know, you, you, you go to the Derby. Okay. Of course that's, you've, you've heard about that race all, all, everybody's most famous race, more than Belmont, certainly more than the Preakness. But, you know, you, you, go to, you go to Kentucky and you go to, you go to Churchill, you don't, you don't feel connected to it. You know, you just, there's so many people, there's so many things. You're, you're just there for, for three or four days. You know, you go to Saratoga. You know, the great thing about Saratoga, which I think separates it from any other place that I know of, is that when the race is over, everybody goes out. You know, you can go to Ciro's and have a drink, but people stay. You know, when, you, when you're at a racetrack and the race is over, everybody goes home. Well, people are up there for the summer. <clears throat> so, you know, even, even, even in my box at Saratoga, you become friends. You're like a little family. It's like a little box row. Everybody knows everybody. So, you know, it, 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 I, I can't imagine sitting there on Travers Day, sitting there in my box with all, all those people I know, my, and my wife and, and, and my friends, and winning the Travers. That would be the ultimate thrill for me. I mean, I, I was just, I, you know, it was a funny thing. I once met John Oxley, and he said, he said, to, he said to me, the same thing. He said, what, 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 what would you like to do? I said, I'd like to run in a Travers. He said, no, I'd like to win the Travers. I said, I stand corrected. Of all of Vacoma's races, um, did you, I know you were at the Bluegrass. Um, which one, did you miss any of the big ones? Uh, I, well, I, I couldn't go. I, could, I, I watched on television. I couldn't go when, when we won the, uh, when we won the card because they wouldn't let, they wouldn't let people in. And then you were there for the Met Mile. Yeah, yes, yeah, but but I, I I hardly miss any races. But I mean, you know, I, I I mean anyway. You are, I'm sorry, you were going to ask me a question. Go well, ahead. no, no, I was just going to just say that um, you know, obviously, you were very happy and proud that Vacoma is going to stand at Spendthrift, and and I'm sure that that was you know kind of like seeing your you know seeing your son off to college. But You're was there any conversation about running him as a five year old? Um, there was some conversation about it. But um, uh, we, we just felt, look, you could, for, for Comas only, only run eight times. Uh, you know, we, we thought that, well, what do you, it, it's a discussion, yes. The answer to your question is a discussion. But, you know, it, does, it also comes down to, to a money situation. You know, I mean, he, he wins the Met Mile. You, you, you've got him in a situation where you think that he's probably going to be most valuable. And he's going to go to a good home. And, he's, and you think he's going to be a good sire. So, yes, there was discussion about it, but after Mike and I talked, uh, we talked about it in detail. We decided, look, let's, let's see what happens and what kind of offers we get. And, and, what, and, and we knew who we, who we wanted him to go to and who we didn't want him to go to, who, who we preferred that he go to. So we were thrilled with Spencer. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense, like with Vacoma, you know, winning the Met Mile, winning the Carter. Um, you know, what, what are the next moves? What, what can you really do, uh, to add to his value? There's a lot of things you could do to probably harm the value and, you know, there's, there's a risk anytime they're out there running. So, I mean, I guess that the, the two turn mile and an eighth test, uh, as an older horse trying to win a grade one there, that'd have been like the only thing left to really do. Well, I mean, you just articulated, us I think, you know, what, what else is he going to do? I mean, he, he runs. He runs. He runs off the bench and wins for fun. Then you put him in a Grade One, and he runs. You know, he runs a. As I said, a zero rag. I mean, that that's unheard of. I mean, a zero rag. I I, I tried to look it up, John, and I I don't think there's three or four horses that ever did that. I'm not sure, but I couldn't find them. 
and 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 then you go out and 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 you run you run in a bet mile and and you know I, the Carter I thought was one of the greatest races I've ever seen. Then he runs a, a, an even more incredible race in a bet mile. I mean I don't think to, I'll tell you the truth. One emotional roller coaster when he turned for home and Code of Honor and all those guys came up and surrounded him. I'll tell you what I said to myself: Okoma, thank you for the memories. You've been a great horse. And then he reengaged, and I think I almost lost my mind. Oh, I mean, I talked to George about it, and, and we'll talk to George later in, in this episode about it as well, but I thought he was absolutely done at the top of the stretch. I mean, That's I stopped so looking at him. I just... I agree. I looked in the middle of the track. I saw Code of Honor. I was like, where's McKenzie? He just looked beat, yep. and he came back. It was a brilliant ride by Javier that day as well, and um, Javier had a great relationship with Vacoma and, and really seemed to, uh, to, to, to have his number. Yeah, they they got along hand in glove. They they, they were great. Javier's a great great jockey, as you know. I've known Javier since he started. We're friends. I I, I love JJ, and I, he wrote a great. I was happy to have him as. Uh, I was happy that he was the jockey of Vacoma. It was part it was part of our relationship continuing. So again, you know, I just uh, you know, look, it's it's it, it, it's just I don't know what what else the horse could have done I, except win the Breeders' Cup. I, I don't know what else he could have done. I mean. He came out. He, he got better and better with each race. I mean, and, you know, he's undefeated. Right? He's under, undefeated on one turn ever. I mean, so I don't know. I love the. I, uh, I understand. I don't get the idea, like you say, that 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 the Met Mile is is not considered a sprint. Well, it's not a distance race, and I I, I think it tests the horse. I mean, I don't know. To it's me, just, it's a, look. It, I understand the discussion. But. To me, it's a, it's like a joker, right? In the in the in a deck of cards, it can be anything, and that's. You know, I would never argue if a horse that was trying to win, older dirt horse, blah, 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 wanted to use that on their resume, and I'd never have a problem with the sprinter using that on their resume. It just, it's, it, it, that's why it's such a great, it's why it's such a great race. It's why it's one of my favorite races. It's why they say it's a stallion builder, a creator, or whatever you want to call it. So, I just think it counts for both. Um, you know, there's a funny story I, uh, with, with Up and Smoke, and, and it leads me to another conversation about riders. Um, but I wanted to start by letting you t- tell us the, what the instructions to Louis Saez on Up and Smoke. And, and, and I always thought it was funny what you told him. I'm, I'm hopeful you remember. I, thought, I don't think I do. Refresh my memory. <laughs> well, you told him about the rail. If he, if he, won, oh, yeah. if he won up the rail, oh, yeah. you weren't going to pay him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because up and, smoke, up and Smoke will not run if you throw dirt, dirt in her face. She just won't run. I mean, she puts on her brakes like she, she puts on emergency brakes. So I'm talking to Sias and to a sound of us. I said, Louis, it's very simple. If you, if you don't get the horse off the grill, we're not paying you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What, what's, your, what's your relationship uh, with riders? It seems that you use a lot. You kind of let George use whoever he wants to use in situations um, and your other trainers as well. What, what is your relationship uh, with riders? Because I know a lot of owners, it, it can get rocky at times where they want to blame the riders. What, what's your relationship with, uh, with like the rider, the riders colony in, in New York and Florida? Well, well, two things. One is George, George is my trainer. I train him to train. I'm not one of these owners that gets involved and, and then George will come to me and ask an opinion. He just asked me an opinion on the horse we're running in Florida this, this week. But I mean, as far as, as far as jockeys go, look, you can get angry with a jockey. They, 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 they look, they're, they're going to make mistakes. You get angry at the, at the moment with them. But look, I respect what they do. I, 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 I get along with all of them. I get along with Saez. I get along with, I get along with Joel. I get along with all of them. I like them. I mean, I, 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 they're, they're doing a great job. And so they're, they're, they're athletes. They're going to have slumps like anybody else has slumps. 
you know, Joel's probably riding better than any jockey in the country right now. And I, and they go in and out of slumps and they make mistakes. And, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I, 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 of course you don't like it, you know, you, 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 you can, but you can lose a race so many ways, but I mean, you know, it's, um, I remember one time Dominguez was riding for me and he was my favorite jockey of all times. My mom was riding for me on a stage race with one of my horses, and the horse lost, and he came up to me and said, Ray, that's my fault. I owe you one. And I said, boy, Ramon, that, he was one of the most gracious guys. So my, my relationship is good. I, I, like, I like jockeys. Do I, get, do I get a little angry with them sometimes when I think they made a mistake? Yeah, for the moment, but that passes. I mean, you know, they're trying to win too. Do you remember the name of the horse that you won your first race at Saratoga with? I'm sorry? Do you remember the name of the the horse you made you won your first race at Saratoga with? The horse I won my first race at Saratoga with was Maybe's Boy, and that was one of the first horses you bought, right? My, my, yeah, yeah. My mother's name was Mabry, and I, I we named him. We named we named the horse after him, after Maybe's Boy. I was her boy. Oh, that's awesome! It works. It, it's great when it works out, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know. Well, as you say. It doesn't work out that often, but when it does, it makes up for all the failures. And and it's funny. I mean, I, I get excited for you know I'm I'm, I'm excited for running a twenty thousand dollar claimer. It's just like drinking a wine. A wine, you know, when you when you drink a wine, it's only as good as it's supposed to be. Okay, wine has different classifications as you're learning, and and, and so a, a wine. Let, let's put it let's put it into horse racing it's, it's for an analogy. You know, there's certain wines that are called village wines. Premier Cruz, Grand Cruz, like a grade one, grade two, grade three. So if you're drinking a wine that, 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 that's supposed to be, you know, an allowance race, then you should taste it through being an allowance race. Is it good for what it's supposed to be? So if I've got a horse running at a certain level, I want it to be as good as he can be at that level. And, and so that's why I get excited as long as, as, long as, you're, as, long as they're competing and running at the right level, I, I get excited. Of course, I get more excited when I win the Carter or the, or the Met Mile, but but I mean I, I don't get to I don't get to win those races that often. So if you, if you don't love winning, if you don't love winning, you shouldn't be in the game. You know, you talk about the level and kind of running uh, where they belong. Uh, you've got a New York bred that that I absolutely love, and and uh, he doesn't know he's a New York bred. Funny guy is is a, such a cool horse. You know, I forgot to tell him that, Jonathan. I meant to tell him one day he was in New York, but I forgot to tell him. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, son, you're in New, you're in New York, Brad. Sorry. I, I, I don't think I'm going to tell him yet. No, don't tell him yet. Let him keep running. He's, uh, I, I, was, I was hopeful we were going to see him in the Breeders' Cup. I know you guys had plans, obviously. Uh, the, I, think, I think he was, if he would have won the Vosburg, you guys were going to go that route and just decided yeah. to take a step back and, and keep beating up on the New York Breds. And then what's the plan with him next? Well, you know, he's, he, John Terranova, who's, uh, I'm partners with, with him, with Mike Gaddis also, and, and John's trainer, John's been Mike's trainer for, for, for years and years. But uh, right now, I think that the horse came out good, he's feeling good, and, you know, I, thought, I said to John, what are we going to do? He said, look, let's let the horse tell us when he's ready to go. And that, that, that's what I think any good trainer should tell you that. The horse will let you know when he's ready to run. So I think, he's, I think we're, I think we're going we're to try him in a graded stakes, that's for sure. I just don't, I don't know what the plan is to answer, to answer your question. But, but you'll see him in a graded stakes next year. No, he's, he, is, uh, he is such a cool horse. And, and uh, you've got a, Who loves that horse? Who loves that horse? Rosario loves that horse. Really? Yeah, he said he said he's the only horse that that that, that uh, 
that they ever ran that little stop and start. And he, he kind of puts himself where he's supposed to. He's like the smartest person he ever rode. He knows, he kind of knows where he's supposed to be. And if he gets stopped, he'll start again. You know, he said it's very, very, very rare to find a horse like that. Yeah, and, and Rosario obviously was absent a couple of starts back, but that was just a commitment thing, right? I think we, we texted about that. 100% sure, exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. And believe me, he was disappointed in, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't ride that horse. But anyway, he'll ride him next time, I'm pretty sure. So you mentioned that with uh, with Vacoma, you're going to uh, breed a couple of mares, and um, and then will you, how will you try to, Will you will you see yourself buying a lot at the sales? Or are you going to just kind of wait and see? What what's your plan as it comes to to Vacoma as a stallion and your involvement? Well, I'm I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna breed them. I, mean, I know Gaddis is gonna breed them. We're gonna try we're gonna try and campaign them. We're gonna see how he does. I mean, I'm gonna be as involved as I can be, which is I'm not gonna sell my shares and I'm I'm not gonna fold share to to you know if you fold share it means you you need to sell sell most fold share means you you need to sell. You know, in full, I might do one of those, but I don't think so. Um, my, my my view is to to breed the horse and and put his babies on the ground and let him race. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be so much fun watching them, and and I can only imagine what that. Uh, it's got to be like grandkids, you know, when when you when you've exactly. got it's it's got to be like that, and and uh, and he was such a cool horse, and obviously how much he meant to you and 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 George and Cindy and and Mike as well. Um, he he just he's. He, like you said, horses that try that hard, there's just something about them that just, that, that give you a different feeling, um, than, than the other ones that are just out there running fast. They run fast, try hard. And, uh, that's definitely the type of horse he is. Or, or the ones you have that are talented, but don't try that hard. You know I mean? I, 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 I'll just say it again. You said it before he was beat in a met mile. You thought it, I thought it, everybody thought it. And I don't know, something clicked in his mind. And he just said, no way, not happening. And he reengaged and ran away. I mean, it was, I mean, I thought the Carter, the Carter was, I mean, I, I thought I'm never going to see a race like that again. I don't know which one I like better. I watch, I, I, by the way, I watch those replays at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. You're probably in your my office. Says, got it, you got it blasted in there. My, my wife says to me, are you watching that goddamn race again? I said, yeah, I am. She said he's still gonna win. Oh, do you, do you just work from home now, Randy? Or do you go into the to the city at all? I I, I go this year. Our, our office is open, so I I I go in probably three four days a week. I'm I'm not in today. I've got some stuff I got to do at home, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going in probably four days a week. You, you mentioned back in two thousand. I, I, I run a sales company, and you, you you need that camaraderie. You need we need to be around each other. Right. You. Uh, you mentioned that uh, back in 2000, you had a, uh, some, you know, success. Was it a, was you're in, you're in wall street. Was it a stock you were involved in? Did you sell a company? We, 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 uh, we, 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 we had a deal. We had a deal where we went public, where we, uh, where, where we syndicated something and it was, it, we, we were the, we were part of the syndicate. And it was very successful. And so you, you, you got, you get cut a check at the end of that, you know, one check. So I got cut that check and I said, okay, I always said I'm going to buy horses because, you know, you got to put, I, I didn't have the kind of money to put together in those days to go out and buy a horse for, for a hundred thousand or two or 300,000. I didn't have that kind of money. And so I, I just took that check and I said, well, I can invest in the stock market. I've got a lot of money in the market. What do I want to do? And what's going to give me the most thrill for your money? You know, you just can't keep, you can't keep trying to make money just to make money. That's not me. 
So I took that money and I decided that I wanted to do something that's going to be exciting. And look, Jonathan, I'm lucky because if, if, if you if you buy your first two horses and one of them never gets in track and the other one ends up as a sixteen thousand dollar claimer, you ain't going back. You ain't putting your foot back in the water. I mean, I, you know, I caught the fever. You guys got me. Oh, and yeah, I and mean, that's what happens with betters too. You know, I, I I remember I hit that first trifecta box at Lone Star Park, and that was it for me. Three hundred and twenty something dollars, and I was in. And and I right. would imagine the same is, is is can be said for ownership. Exactly the same thing. You got eight hundred thirty-two thirty-two dollars. That's the most money you ever want. You said, "Hey, I, I like this. This is this is what I want to do." It's the same way with an owner. But if you get in early and 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 you have no success, I think it'd be more difficult. But I, as I say, I was I was blessed uh, w- with some success early on, and then I and then you know I won a couple of grade twos and grade threes, and I, I remember I was sitting in a box one time in Saratoga next to another owner. And I said, he said, he said, he said, we were talking. He said, have you ever won a grade one? I said, no. I said, have you? He said, no. He said, I've never even won a grade stakes. I said, really? I said, how long have you been in the business? He said, 11 years. He said, how long have you been in the business? I said, three. He said, how many do you want? I said, five. <laughs> I think he was going to ask me to leave the box. <laughs> but you had a lot of losing years, right? I mean, it took you a while to... You know, I feel like I feel like I read somewhere that the Divine Miss Gray situation was like one of your first winning years in a long time from a stable standpoint. Here's what happened. I, I had three years where I couldn't get arrested. George and I went down to the sale. We bought seven horses. I called him up, and he, they, they, they were down for, for coma. Bro, uh, Steve Steve and also broke them, and we called him. I said, George, how's it going? He said, We got seven horses. He said, You know what the names are? Slow, 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 and slower and slower yet. And so I said. So I, I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to, I, I think I went seven or eight months without winning a race. And I said, that's what I'm done. I'm, I can't do this anymore. I mean, you gotta be out of your mind. I'm just paying bills. So that drove me into part to, 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 to decide to partner. And then, then, I, then I, then I had a couple of decent years and then, and then, uh, um, and then, then I, I, had Mal, I had Malibu glow who actually ran into Travers. Uh, and so I had, then I had some decent years, not great years. But then about three, I'd say I'm on, I'm on about a three-year run, which is which is incredible in this game. I mean, especially for me, I'm not I'm not one of these guys that buys a million horses. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a relatively small guy. I mean, and and so to to you know I'm I mean I, I'm I'm just on a streak. I mean, my son makes my son makes fun of me all the time. He calls me up and goes, "Another greatest stakes win." I mean, because I I probably I don't know I've I won a lot lately. I mean, that's good though. I mean, you, you know, like you said, you you've kind of learned and adjusted and. Um, you know, obviously you've, you've got, you know, Terra Nova and Gargan trained for you, but you also have kind of your ace in the hole in George and, 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 and having that I think is, has been a big part of, of your recent success, you know, it just having that trust and, and seeing you and George around each other. It's, it's like a father and son kind of duo is what it feels like to me. Yeah. He's the father. I'm the son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you something. There's nobody, not a trainer that walks on this earth. That could have done what George did with Pacoma. I'm telling you, I've been around trainers. I've been around horses. That horse, as talented as he was, if George is not the trainer, we're not having this conversation today. You're definitely not having it. I'll tell you right now. Well, that's a that's a beautiful way to to end this, uh, Randy, because we're gonna we're gonna get George on next to talk to him a little bit about vacoma and get him to probably tell some stories about you as well. But um, you know, look, I, I wanted to do this because. Um, you know, I consider both of you guys friends, but also I, I wanted to highlight the horse. He, he was brilliant and it's unfortunate. We didn't get to see him run in the breeders cup. I, I think we, 
I think we all know what would have likely happened uh, that Saturday afternoon in Lexington, and it's unfortunate we didn't get to see it. And uh, it's unfortunate that that uh, sprinter of the year is going to be determined by uh, conversation and, and pieces of paper. But uh, I, I think Vacoma and his his 2020 resume are enough uh, to to make him uh, the champion sprinter for 2020. And so I wanted to get you guys on to talk a little bit about him. Jonathan, I appreciate the time, and I couldn't agree with you more. No matter which way the vote goes, I know in my heart that Vacoma was the best sprinter in 2020. That's just a fact, even not, not just because he's my own horse. And I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you know getting to know you and becoming friends with you, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to let you win the shirt contest next year. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm going shop, to start shopping in the spring. I'm bringing the heat next summer. Hopefully we can uh, have a normal Saratoga, too, and then I'll be able to get out and, and, uh, and maybe do a little cart talk with you. Come over and check out your closet or something. Yeah, okay. Good, Jonathan. <laughs> thanks very much. It's great talking to you. It's great getting to know you this summer. And, and thanks so much for your for your, your support of Vacoma. I think I, I appreciate it. Mike Gaddis appreciates it. Steve and Cindy appreciate it. You know, we really do. And th- thanks so much, Jonathan. Uh, and I'll see you soon. Talk soon, Randy. Good luck. George, what's going on? I'm all good, Jonathan. What's going on with you? Well, I just spent an hour with your uh, with your main man, Randy Hill. So you know how that probably went. Uh, he is a uh, a character, to say the least. Yeah, he likes to live life to the fullest. He's big, big about his horses. Yeah, you know, obviously we'll talk uh, quite a bit about Vacoma, but he, he said something right when he was ending, and I and I want to start with that. And uh, he he said that um, he was very adamant that although he's got a couple of other trainers, there's not a trainer that walking that's walking this earth that could have got Vacoma to where he got him from. What what do you think it is about your time with Vacoma that made Randy feel that way? Well, Randy's seen me over the years, you know, I've handled some horses of his. We've been together for almost 20 years now, right on 20 years, and he just knows that uh, if anybody can get the best out of a horse, we can. And we also know that uh, we bought the horse. You know, we had a couple of bad issues when we bought him, and, um, you know, that uh, I was able to manage the horse well, and, and the horse responded to what we, we did with him. But I think Randy just has an overall faith. Um, you know, if there's a project or a horse that needs a little extra TLC, that um, you know, me and my wife Cindy are going to get the job done and do what we have to do to get the best out of the horse. Yeah, I and mean, I think you know, hanging around your barn—that's one of the things that that I really picked up on um, compared to other barns. It's a family affair. Obviously, you mentioned your wife Cindy. Your son Ben is always around. Um, you know, it's it's you can you know you got that comfort. You know, you can trust those people, and then you you, you have other other people you can bounce ideas off of. Uh, how much do you feel like that has to play into your uh, success? Yeah, it's a lot. Well, Cindy, you know, Cindy is, um, you know, she could train horses on her own. She's an excellent horsewoman. And, you know, when she gets on a horse's back, I, I just have so much confidence in her abilities and to tell me, you know, tell me the right thing to do. You know, it was instrumental. You know, I counted on her judgment when it came to making a decision around the bad mom. She was getting on them every day. I thought it was coming back really quick. Uh, you know, four weeks was pretty quick off the Carter win, and she told me the horse was happy with himself and, and that he was going to run his race. So I, I count on her a lot, and it's just um, we make a good team together, and, and uh, you know, we both cover different aspects. You know, she's very hands-on with the horses, where I'm more uh, doing the manager stuff, keeping up with owners and agents and trying to recruit horses and, and keep that end up going. So – we make a great team and, um, you know, we, we're very happy with the way things go. Let's talk a little bit about the big horse. Um, 
how early in his career, at what point, well, first of all, at what point did you get him? And how early did you know that, that he was going to be, uh, be special and, and be, you know, I, I think I've heard you say the greatest horse you've ever trained. Well, I got him in June of his two-year-old year, and I knew I had a pretty good idea he was going to be great before I got him because my buddy Steve Minosa, who uh, me and him found the horse at Keeneland and, and um, recommended it that Randy Mike Gass bought him. But he he trained him as a two-year-old, and um, I remember as you know when you're uh, when you're just putting the foundation in him, you know they they're going around there and they're doing things the right way, this and that. But I remember that one day in June he called me. Uh, early June, and um, he told me, uh, he said, this is a freak. I said, who is? He said, the candy rod cold. <laughs> the Mona de Mama, you know, he called it Mona de Mama. He said, he's a freak. He said, he said this son of this can carry the mail. And Steve, you know, uh, he doesn't say that much. You know, I was like, oh, really? So I got pretty excited when he told me that. It wasn't later in the month of June, we got the horse up in Saratoga, and he was doing the things uh, the right way, but he, he was confirming everything that Steve had said. And, um, you know, at the time during that summer, Eric Cancel actually uh, helped us out a lot. And I always remember um, he had worked the horse a few times and, and Randy was funny. He, he kind of uh, quizzed him, you know, Hey, are we going to win first time out? And Eric said, Eric said, we're going to win and he's going to keep on winning. And, uh, you know, he, he knew also as well that, um, you know, how good of a cult he, he was going to turn out to be. And, I mean, he, he was just good from the beginning. You know what I mean? He did things that other horses just didn't do. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember his, his maiden win was, was impressive. And then he came back in the Nashua and, and, and kind of confirmed that. And then, you know, you sat down to Christmas and you thought you had a horse that you, you could potentially point to the Kentucky Derby. Um, the fountain of youth, he doesn't have a lot of blemishes on his record, obviously coming off of that break. What, what do you think, uh, happened in the fountain of youth? Do you blame it strictly on the, on the, on the layoff? I, I think that had something to do with it. I think that, um, you know, we had to back off of him. He had a little bit of shins after the Nashua. So we had to back off of him and in order for, you know, we were playing catch up and trying to. You know, it, it was a squeeze to get on the trail and stay on the trail. And we got to a point in the fountain of youth was our best option to come back. And I just think first time around two turns that, um, you know, I think that that's what affected him the most. And there were some good horses, you know, that obviously I, I think Code of Honor won that day. And, you know, he said a, a decent trip. We were kind of up there closer than he was, and he, he came sweeping by. But I think our horse moved forward, uh, trim, you know, tremendously off of that and set us up good for the bluegrass. But I, I think also uh, deep down, I think he might. He's a horse that's capable of running the two turns and has the class to do multiple, you know, different things. But I always thought that uh, in the back of my head that he might be a better one-turn horse, seven eighths flat mile. So maybe, maybe that played into it as well in the fountain of youth. I'm not sure. I think you know fitness definitely probably had some piece of it, and uh, just the race flow and and maybe not wanting all of that extra distance maybe that was a part too but you know he came back and, and won the bluegrass so i think that um you know in that respect i you know fitness seems like more of an indicator than not but uh you know i coming back as a four-year-old obviously I, we backed him up and never stretched him out again but uh man he proved what a monster he was then yeah i mean like you mentioned he was undefeated around one turn and and uh and i i think that you know if, if what you're saying is true, and I know that, you know, you're speculating about whether or not he really wanted to go further or not, 
I think it's so cool that he did it. I mean, he, he won the bluegrass. I mean, obviously it was a grade two then. It's historically been a grade one and, and you know, so it's like a grade two plus at least. It's on the Derby Trail. It's a it's a one of those final preps. So I think that it just to me it hits a little bit harder than the grade two that it that it had tagged. Um anything about the Kentucky Derby? Obviously we we've talked a little bit about the fact that he was obviously a much better horse, um, or at least most of his biggest accomplishments were around one turn. Um did you expect that he would kind of split the field in the Derby where you, you knew you had to be there. You knew you had to run. Were you hopeful? Did you, was he, did he, was he training great leading up to the race? What were your thoughts about the Derby? I, I thought that, um, I didn't know what he was going to do in the Derby. I knew that a mile and a quarter, uh, against that, you know, uh, against all the best three year olds in the country, I knew that was going to be a big test for us, but I think everybody thinks that going into it, you know, who knows? It's like all these, different, um, you know, different horses coming from different areas and it's time to match up and see how they do. I, um, you know, I thought he trained. Okay. I did not think he trained as well going into the Derby as he did the bluegrass, but he was training. Okay. You know, we, we got our breezes into him and he was happy and I felt like that he would run his race. It, um, it downpoured and not too long before the race. And, um, you know, the track got really gooey and he just, he just didn't handle it. Javier Castellano, who rode him at Derby, he, he came back and he said, he said, I know we didn't do any good, but I have never had a horse leave the gate running like that well in all the derbies I rode. Like, he was so happy with the way the horse placed himself. And, you know, once he, they were heading into the half-mile pole, approaching the, the final turn, and he just started to kind of, uh, he was just swimming there. You know, he wasn't making forward progress. And, at the end of the day, he wasn't beaten 14 lengths. You know, but watching it that day, it felt like it was more than that. It just wasn't his day. And it wasn't soon after, you know, we we had some problems with his, his feet after that race. And then when we got him back going, there was like more issues. And we that's when we needed to give him some time off. So I'm not sure if, you know, I'm not sure if it was just, you know, something was, uh, the, the need for a break was coming. And the derby was maybe a sign that that, uh, that was, you know, there was time. Now, you know, obviously he had a, an unbelievable year this year. He was undefeated. Um, he won the Carter, grade one Carter, the grade one Met Mile. Um, he was the morning line favorite in the sprint. In my opinion, he was going to run away and hide to that race if he would have if he would have uh, been able to make it to the gate. When you, when you brought him back as a four-year-old, w- did you start backwards from the Carter or from the Met Mile? Well, when we brought it back as a four-year-old, we were thinking about the Carter, which was going to be like in April, you know. That's what it normally would be. And we brought it back. We had those races on our mind, the Carter, the Met Mile, the Forgo, any of those kind of grade one races. And, and we had not ruled out running the two turns, but we wanted to t- take it race by race. Um, but when, it, when, the, uh, when the virus, when the coronavirus hit and it kind of shook up the calendar a little bit and changed all our options, you know, they had a race there at Gulfstream that, um, you know, a minimal purse, I think it was a 75 grander, but at least it was a place for us to get started. And when the Carter fell off the map, we were like, well, this horse is ready to run. We better run him in there. And um, at that point, when the Carter was scrapped, everything in New York at that time was just scrapped. We had no idea when the Carter was going to be, when the Met Mile was going to be, if they were going to be. And um, we ran the horse at Gulfstream, and he ran super impressive. Like, Manny rode him there because Castellano couldn't because, um, you know, I think it was the virus for him, too. But anyway, 
you know, Manny was kind of bottled up inside, and I was like, man, I don't like where he's at. He looks, you know, at, at Gulfstream, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't have your momentum, it's kind of scary. But when he tipped him out, I mean, he exploded. I remember watching him live. I was there. Uh, you know, Randy couldn't be there, and I was there by myself. And um, I was just amazed, like, he, like at the acceleration through that last eighth of a mile. And then he hit the wire, and his ears were pricked. And, I mean, he just came back like he did nothing, like it was a walk in the park. And there were some, oh, there were some pretty respectable horses, and that horse Yorkton is all right. And um, I was super impressed with the race. But following that race, the rest of the racing calendar, we were just waiting to hear when it would be. And at one time, when the Carter, you know, at one time I was like, they might not even have the Carter because now they they were getting pushed back so much. I was like, well, how are they going to run the Carter right on top of the nut mile? So I thought they might scrap it, but they were able to to figure it out. And luckily, we were you know able to make the Carter there early in June when they got the racing back going. Were you worried about the slop after the Derby kind of situation? Was it was it in your was it in your head when they uh, when the Carter when it was when it was raining that day? It, it was it was uh, I was a little bit worried because uh, and it's so strange. I mean, the horse his mother loved a slop at Churchill. The horse, you know, it, it's all signs by his pedigree and everything. He should like the slop, and um, so I didn't know. You know, I was, I was like, oh man, the Derby's in sound. But I will say that that the Derby. That track, Derby Day, it was like goo. He wasn't like, you know, the Belmont sloppy track that he ran on. Was, he could get over the top of it. You know what I mean? And it, it, it's just better footing for him. I just don't think he appreciated the, the consistency of the wet track at Churchill that day. I was concerned about it, but I have to admit, it, it didn't take too long. It, the, we were about, you know, maybe a quarter mile into the race, and I was like, oh, man, he's moving good. He's very happy. So... You know, I, I, uh, once the races ran, I was pretty positive. Man, that that Carter performance was, and I know you look uh, look at the rags, and I mean that, that was one of the most brilliant sprint performances I've seen like ever. I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a it was almost a religious moment for me when he like kicked in on the stretch and just started to leave him with ease. You know, I mean, it's one thing to win by a length or two, but I mean, he opened up by seven on him. And I remember coming when he came back to the winter circle, I mean, he wasn't even blowing at all. I was like, oh my God, I mean, he's like a cakewalk for him. So I was, um, you know, I'm a horse trainer, but I'm also a racing fan, a horse racing fan. And, and um, I just, like, for me, I was like, that, that really impressed me. It was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen. And, you know, it just, it, uh, they just shed new light for me on how great he really was. And then the Met Mile came up, and and uh, I was actually talking to a couple of people today, um, just about you know this conversations I was going to have with you and Randy, and, and and I feel like the Met Mile is, if you're looking at it from a resume standpoint, I feel like it's why it's the special race that it is is that it's like a kind of like a Joker card where you can you can use it however you want. If you're a, if you're if you're a sprinter, you can use it in your sprint resume. If you're a route horse, you can use it in your route resume. That's what's great about it. You've got sprinters stretching out, and you've got, you know, route horses cutting back, and they meet in the middle, and it's speed versus stamina, and it's speed and stamina, and it's a test of all of those things. And, and Vacoma passed that test. He didn't look like he was going to pass the test. At the quarter pole, he looked like he was going to get eight up, but uh, he kept running. So, you know, it, it, to me it counts as, as a sprint. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, great uh, one-term race uh, with great tradition. It's been a race that I've always, ever since I went to New York back in 91, 
even if we I worked for Wayne and Todd after that, but even if we didn't have a horse in it, I would always go up there and watch that race right up by where they the trophy presentation, right up you know, you're up elevated a little bit right by the wire. And it's just it's just a great race. It's so demanding of a horse. You have to have you're running the whole step of the way. And you have to have, you know, like you said, you have to have speed and you have to be able to get it to stretch. And it's a famous, you know, it's obviously a famous stallion-making race. It's a big feather in the California horse going to start. But um, the most impressive, like, I agree with you. As I was watching the race, I was like, man, I don't know if he has it. Because it wasn't like the Carter where he just, you know, he was just perched out there and drew off, right? Here they were swarming him and he went and, you know, he didn't burst. But it's just like, as I was watching him come by the eighth pole, he, he just hit another gear. You know what I mean? Like he just looked back at him and was like, no, you're not going down. And as he, he actually was extending his margin as he went through the line. It was strange. Like they were all swarming him, but it's like in the very end, he was still hitting again. Like if they had to run down to the next line, they I don't think they weren't catching. You know what I mean? Like if, he, if it was a mile and an eighth to the next pole, none of those horses would have caught him. He, he was starting to extend his margin again. And you look at the chart, and the reason he did that is, like, he went, like, 109, and then he came home in 23-1. and one. That's hard to do on the dirt in that type of scenario, you know, and, and that's what he just polished it off. Now, obviously, those are the, the highlights of Vacoma's year, and, and, and I would imagine a, a couple of days. Uh, and you took it like a champ. I was actually sitting across from you at dinner when you got the text um, about the bad news with Vacoma, but what, what was that leak that week like for you? Obviously you're excited about the opportunity to run them. You're excited about having the morning line favorite. Uh, I thought you, I thought the, the, the draw was great. Um, you know, Randy talked a little bit about how he, you called him a couple times. He didn't answer because uh, he knew it was bad news. And then he finally, you finally got him on the phone. What, what was that whole situation like for you? Well, you know, um, after the Met, not immediately after the Met Mile, but maybe about a month after the Met Mile, which was the worst, the horse, he blew an abscess out of his uh, quarter on one of his feet. And whenever they do that, there's the, you know, the tissue is raw, and it takes some time for it to heal. And this horse, like, he never really missed a whole, I think he missed a total of nine days training during that period of late July and through August. But it took us a while to get the, get the feet right. And get his foot right. And finally, things started coming together, um, you know, in September. And he was just getting better and better and better. Like, I was getting really excited, by the way, you know, the way he was training. I felt, and, and, and getting into October towards the Breeders' Cup, we had him. I got him back where he was. He weren't great. We're all ready to go. And, um, and then the horse spikes at him. And I'm like, this game is crazy. You know what I mean? Like he, it would have been one thing if he popped a uh, popped a quarter crack or had another foot issue or just wasn't well, right. I could could have. I think I could have um, handled that better. It still would have hurt, but I would understand. You know what I mean? It's just not happening. In this case, everything everything was coming together, and then we. I thought we drew great, and you know we we shipped him down there, and then uh, you know his had a tent that was. That's right. We were having dinner the one night now. Tuesday night, that was temp, you know, got up right around 104, and I was like, that's it, got to pull the plug. But um, it, it, it's devastating, but it's, 
and make sure it makes you go through your mind over and over and over again. I'm, you know, it's so close, so close, but there's nothing you can, there's nothing you can do. It was at that point, it was, um, you know, we had, we had done everything we could do to, to get him to the race, it, it, you know, and give him a fair chance to compete well. And at that moment, we just had to hang, you know, you, you know, it's just not going to happen. And under the circumstances, it's kind of sad because he's going to spend her after, you know, it's, the stallion, you know, stallion career is going to start, and it's really, that's it. That was, you know, that was your chance to put a stamp on, on a, a great year for the horse, and you know, cement the fact that he, he was the best sprinter in the land. And we were the favorite, and I think he would have killed him, but we just didn't get a chance to show it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I loved where he drew. I felt the same way about him and Golden Powell being drawn out there on the outside. I thought it would have just fit Vacoma so well and and you and I had talked about it with uh and, and Javier had kind of said that you know he's a great gate horse he he puts himself in the race without having to be asked he would have just been in that perfect spot in that race from that outside draw it's it's uh you know I'm not telling you anything you already know but it's just unfortunate we didn't we didn't get to see him run um is it safe to say that Vacoma's the 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 greatest horse you've ever trained all by far yeah, by far. Yeah, he's um I've had some good ones along there and obviously being around in, in Wayne's barn and Todd's barn, I've been around some really, really good horses. I had a very good sprinter early on in my career, that horse Saratoga County. Um you know, the one the Golden Shaheen, he kinda got good as a four year old, but he you know, he wasn't uh he wasn't of the same caliber as his horse Vacoma. You know what I mean? Vacoma's he, he's the real deal. He's just I've never had a horse that has a, the combination uh, of that much talent and that much will to win, you know, that is just desire. It's just amazing how much, um, you know, he just has a tremendous, tremendous amount of both. And uh, it's just a real deal. And we talked to Randy about it earlier, but I, I wanted to get your take on it as well. I think it's an important thing that, that uh, our friends at Spinthrift probably uh, would, would co-sign as well is, is although Vacoma has the interesting kind of paddling action, he walks straight, and he's as straight as an arrow when you look at him from a confirmation standpoint. Um, talk a little bit about that. Well, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of talk about the way the horse moves when he's running, and um, I understand that it's not. Uh, you know, it's interesting to watch. Um, when we bought him as a yearling, the horse walks to you straight as a string. You know what I mean? He's, his confirmation is perfect. There's nothing wrong with his confirmation. I don't know if he moves like that out of his shoulders or not. I will say that anybody who's ever ridden him, they say you don't even feel it. He feels smooth as silk, and he throws his front legs out there. I mean, he his reach in front is unbelievable. So it really doesn't – it's not something that inhibits the horse. Like, he just has a, a – uh, he has a way of covering ground, and he just throws them out there. It's just it, – it, uh, it's incredible. And I know it's not pretty from the, you know, it's not pretty from the front, but if you actually were just to focus on it from the side, he has, he, he has a tremendous stride on. And they, you know, there's some horses that, that the race horses have all kinds of different ways of moving. And some of them are, you know, short and shot, you know, you have short choppy strides or they don't have pretty action. So this horse, he has some, you know, he, he brings his legs out a little bit as it comes forward, but he's actually reaching. He has like an incredible reach. So for me, he's just a bona fide athlete, and the fact that he doesn't move uh, exactly like everybody thinks the perfect racehorse should is—it um, doesn't bother me at all. I mean, he's just a runner. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd rather, like Randy said, I'd, he'd rather have a, a one with funny action that can run like him than, than one that runs straight and slow. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, so, you know, we, we fast forward to this great horse and, you know, it, in your career and, and, uh, but, you know, obviously you've been training for, for a while. Um, when, when did you get your start on your own? When did you go out on your own? Let's see. That was, um, it was in 2002. I was working for Todd and Cindy and I were together. Cindy was pregnant with our son, Ben. And so, you know, Cindy's an assistant trainer for Todd and so am I. And, um, we kind of had a talk with Todd in February of that year and put a timetable together that, uh, you know, we, at that point, Cindy was, uh, you know, was, uh, had Ben in her and, um, you know, she was doing September. And so we just said, look, we're going to have to make a go of it. So we both, it was kind of a, um, you know, Todd, we have been with Todd for quite a while and it's kind of hard, you know, to lose two assistants at once is not an easy thing for a guy like Todd to do, you know what I mean? He's running a big operation. So we gave him a heads up in February that we'd like to kind of, you know, that I would work, you know, work uh, for him through Labor Day because our son was born like in late September and then Cindy would stay with him as long as she could ride and whatnot. And so we gave him plenty of notice, uh, but it was there in 2002. You know, we, um, it was just something we had to do with like jumping off a cliff. We might as well do it. We, you know, I had our son, got married, bought the house, went into business for ourselves all at once. Who were uh, some of your first clients that that that, that uh, supported you? Kind of got you going. The first horses that I got were from Dogwood Stable and Peace Tree Stable. Both of them were clients of Todd's, and early, like right around that time, it was in November when we first got horses. Uh, Mike Ryan. Um, you know, and I knew Mike uh, from being an assistant to Todd. He had a client, that client being Randy Hill, that um, he wanted to put in a good spot. Uh, Randy, I think, had been, um, he had been with Suge, and I think he, he had had a horse with Eric Javon, but, uh, you know, he wasn't, um, he was looking for a good spot. You know, Randy, and, and it's funny because I know Mike Ryan called Randy and told him about us, and Randy's like, oh, no, not another, you know, it just, you know, here he is, a young trainer, and the husband and wife team, this and that. He wasn't really, uh, at first, I don't I don't think he was enthusiastic about it, but um, I got a chance to talk with Randy on the phone, and it went it went down well. It went down well. We um, we had a good talk together. I actually talked to one of his uh, good buddies. He had me talk to him, Sam. He had me to talk to him as well, and, you know, the first interview went well, so... I had Dogwood, Peace Tree, then Randy Hill jumped on board. And it, we got pretty sizable soon. Like, I got some horses for John Peace. Um, then I had the Pollards, who had Saratoga County. Let's see who else. Uh, a bunch of small, you know, smaller, maybe one or two horse outfits. So, you know, we got a lot of support early on. And, and thank the Lord I've been able to keep it going now for right on 20 years. But Randy's been with me every step of the way. You know what I mean? He, when he joined up, and we've had so much fun together. You know, we handicap. We, you know, we go out and celebrate. We, we do everything together. Yeah, I told him that uh, it's. I love watching you guys together. It's kind of like a father son duo. And he said that uh, you're the father and he's the son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. Yep. 
somebody's got to be that. <laughs> got to keep an eye on Randy. Um, you know, obviously, we we talked about it when we did that cart talk up at Saratoga, but an opportunity to kind of elaborate on it a little bit more. I've, I've always, you know, I, I came from a coaching background, and, and, and I've always been – just interested in the in in the kind of the coaching tree and how all these guys that were successful and how they branch off into other situations and I've always thought that it's a a nice correlation and a cool connection to to football and into to to racing where you guys kind of have this training tree where it kind of all started with 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 the coach with D Wayne and then it just kind of trickled down you're one of the few that got to work for D Wayne and for Todd um what was what did you pick up from that experience? Obviously, being around a lot of good horses, but what what else was like kind of the main things you picked up uh, from your time with those two Hall of Famers? Well, look, Wayne's a very successful uh, trainer, uh, man, everything, and so is Todd. And I just think that it, it's just uh, about being it's just being led by example, or just being there. It rubs off on you. You know what I mean? Todd has always carried himself with class and composure. He works. He's, he's, I mean, he's got an unbelievable work ethic. Wayne's son, Jeff, had an unbelievable work ethic as well. And so does Wayne. And it all boils down, you know, a lot of it just boils down to that work. It's a matter of working hard and, you know, just being, um, uh, being organized and smart and, and, uh, going about your business. Uh, but a lot of it is just me being around them. They they rub off on you, you know. I'm I'm a young man. I want to train on my own someday, and so you just follow by example. You see what they do and how they organize things and and how they go about training horses and and um, all that time. You know, you learn as well. You the, you know you're learning by example from them about how to carry yourself and what to do with horses and whatnot. But at the same time, you get to make your own opinions because you see, it, you know, training horses experiences there's nothing that beats experience for it you know you get to uh, see what works and what doesn't work a lot of what we do out there is trial and error you got a little ankle here a little knee there a little sore foot here you try different things and you, you know you you end up accumulating a memory bank of the different things that you need to do to help get problems solved as you know training horses i mean a lot of us just trying to keep them on the rails you know what i mean make sure that the you know everything's going right and, so figuring out how to fix problems that come up and lots of problems come up is, um, you know, that's a, that's a lot of learning how to train. It's just knowing how to manage situations that, that you deal with on a daily basis with horses. But those guys, Wayne and his son Jeff and Todd, those, I mean, being around them, they just uh, incredible work ethic and, you know, just keeping up with them, you know you're doing all right. How'd you, uh, how'd you get hired by Wayne? I... Was in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. I was, uh, I think, junior year of high school. I wanted to get a hot walking job <clears throat> for the summer. Uh, I, I was waiting outside the gate at Churchill Downs, and the assistant for John Henning, his name was Robbie Rader, um, saw me there, and they needed some help, and they picked me up. So I'm coming in the backside of Churchill. I've had I've very, I have no experience on working with horses on the track. I had a little, little, um, little job on the farm the summer before. So I get back there. John Hennig is not there himself. You know, he, I think he was at a different track or doing something. So I worked there for a few days and I'm like, goo goo gaga. I'm like, I'm in heaven, man. I'm out here working with these horses. Like I, you know, I went to the races with my dad 
all growing up. And I just looked at the backside and was like, I want to be there. You know what I mean? I, I, I just thought it was the greatest thing in the world to be back by the bottom with the horses. So I got this job hot walking. <clears throat> and John Enoch's out there. And, you know, I'm real, um, I'm just ecstatic. I mean, I can't, I can't even, you know, I can't, I, I just need to pinch myself. I'm like, is this real? I'm actually hot walking horses. You know what I mean? It's kind of kind of goofy when you think about it now. But it, I think a week later, John Hennig showed up. And he was there, and I explained to him, I was like, you know, Mr. Hennig, sir, I'm not here just to hot walk. It's not a job. I want to learn. And um, and so he said, well, you know, I can I can help you with that. If you want to, you can come up to parks. We were, it was Philadelphia Park at the time. And I went with her outfit up to Philadelphia Park, and, you know, he taught me how to groom. Uh, you know, he taught me how to do everything. And I was with him for – I had to go back to school. Uh, the one year, and then I came back with him again, and I continued to learn from him and, and gather experience. And he had told me, you know, his son Mark Hennig was in Wayne Lucas's operation. Sierra McLaughlin, his son-in-law, was in Wayne Lucas's operation. And he told me, he said, "Look, I don't know if it's going to be, uh, you know, a year or two from now or ten years from now, but I'm going to groom you to get you to the point where when they need somebody in Wayne Lucas's operation." I'm going to, you know, we're going to send you up there. And said, I, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good to me. You know, I'll continue working and learning and we'll see what happens. But it, it wasn't, it might've been, it might've been a year, year, year and a half. Not, I didn't have to wait that long. John Hennig actually went to work for Wayne out at his training center, I think in Santa Inez in California. And he asked me at the time, he's like, would you like to come out there with me to San Inez or there's an opportunity they're looking for another foreman at Belmont Park underneath Jeff Lucas. And um, I was like, well, I'll go to Belmont Park because I like the races. You know, I was like, I was thinking about being at training center. I was like, no, nah, I don't think it's not going to work for me. Man. I need some action. I need some, I need to watch some horses run and whatnot. <laughs> but um, I, so in June of 91, I, I headed up to Belmont to go to work in their barn as a barn foreman. At, uh, for Wayne Lucas. Jeff Lucas was in charge there, and Todd was already a former assistant. You know, I was kind of coming in to be underneath Todd so that Todd could spend more time going to the track and, you know, be more, get, start edging towards more of an assistant trainer role than just a foreman role. You know, the foreman is just back at the barn and just running the help and making sure everything goes smoothly. You don't really get to go to the track that much, or, you know, it's kind of a, <clears throat> it's a little bit of a grunt job, but it's a, you know, it's it's a stepping stone. And so in 91, that's where I was, I was a bond foreman there uh, for Wayne Lucas. Starting in 91, worked underneath Todd, and, and Jeff was there. And it was um, it was crazy to get horses there when I got there. It's a, you know, it was either it was either a greatest stakes horse or, or a million-dollar, you know, seven-figure two-year-old that had run that in there. Crazy good horses. Now, when did you – so how long did you work for D. Wayne, and then did you leave when Todd – you went out when Todd went out? You went with Todd when he went on his own? I didn't go out. I, no, I didn't go out directly. Initially, when Todd started on his own, I think he went on his own in, at the end of the '96, and he only, you know, he took like maybe eight stalls at Hialeah. It was actually my wife Cindy that um, was his first assistant trainer, and she, um, you know, she went with them. There really wasn't, you know, for, for me, I'm not an exercise rider, so it, it, it's just, you know, for eight horses, there's no need to have a you know, uh, non-riding assistant trainer at the time. And 
you know, I wanted to cut my own cloth there in Wayne's barn. I wanted to see how it would go to see if I could, you know, get things to, uh, lead to where Ty did, you know, I'd be like Todd, I'd stay with Wayne and be an assistant trainer there for a while and, and hopefully go on my own once, um, once I had some more experience running my own show. Cause you know, up to that point when Todd left, I hadn't, you know, I was underneath him, but I really didn't have any direct experience like running the string day to day. Right. I was always underneath him or, you know what I mean? So I, the buck didn't fall on me. So it wasn't until he left and I stayed with Wayne that I actually got the chance to do some of that. You know what I mean? Where you're actually in charge of training the string of horses and, um, you reported directly back to Wayne. So I, you know, I went down to Gulfstream that winter and I came back up and I stayed with Wayne for a little over a year. And, um, he wasn't going exactly like I wanted you know what I mean? Like I was up at Belmont and everything was going well, but you know, I, I, um, it just wasn't going, it just wasn't going the way I wanted to. And, um, I told Todd at some point, I said, cause I knew Todd was going to be growing. I said, listen, be sure and call me. Uh, you know, be sure and call me before you call anybody else if you're going to need somebody. And I think in 97 or whatever, he, um, he was branching out and needed somebody in New York. And I joined back up with Todd at that, at that point. And I, I love my time in Wayne Lucas's barn. It was just, you know, I, I, it wasn't like it was going bad. I just didn't, I feel like I, you know, hit a wall and wasn't going to go any further. So I, I knew that if I joined back up with Todd, we had such a great relationship. I just thought it was going to be a great go. So um, I got back together with Todd in 97. And then, you know, this summer we also talked about, um, about your success at Saratoga and, and I don't remember the exact stat I don't have it in front of me, but essentially you run, you know, Rudy, Todd, Chad, Linda, the list goes on. Anyone that, that uh, doesn't make your stomach hurt when you bet on them at, at Saratoga and none of them have a positive ROI, but, but you do have a positive ROI and, and we've talked about it, what we think is the reason why, but do you feel like you point horses towards Saratoga or, or do you feel like it's just, uh, it, it's something else? Well, you know, it's like playing a card game and you're trying to, you know, uh, Saratoga, you need to strategize for it. That being said, um, if you have a horse that's ready to run, and you'll see this many times, I usually get cooking at Belmont before Saratoga too. Like I usually start getting, like picking up steam. And I don't have a big, you know, big enough stable to sustain, you know, to sustain, you know, good meat after good meat after good meat and wins, wins, wins. I, I seem to find myself in a cycle every year where during Belmont, I kind of run a few horses to figure out what they need. Do they need longer? Do they need shorter? Do they need cheaper? Do they need turf? Do they need blinkers? You know, kind of figure, do you do some learning there and get a couple races on the horses? And then I, I, I think it's Saratoga that I am more aggressive than on horses. You know, I think, but that being said, isn't everybody. So, I'm not really, um, I do, I do like to have a good Saratoga and every year that I have a good meet, it, you know what I mean? People keep expecting this. <laughs> and I think I tried so hard the last couple of meets have not been as good, but I still brought home a couple of long uh, horses to, to try not to mess that all out, you know, all out too much. But, um, no, it's something you point for, but I think it's beneficial when you get there and you're in the zone, you have to, you know what I mean? I, I'm there, the horse has been training there the whole time. I just think there's something, you know, there's a good chemistry going on. It's been a uh, kind of, and you got to get lucky. 
I mean, you got, you know, when you want them to come off the turf, they need to come off the turf. And when you want them to stay on, they need to stay on. Those are so many things that need to go go right. But they, we've been doing it year after year, except for the last two years. And uh, we're proud of it. At what point do you leave Saratoga and head to, to Palm Beach Downs? We, in November, they make you get out of Saratoga. We base most of our barn in Saratoga until they make us get out. And then we, you know, the horses that should go to Belmont, go to Belmont so they can run at Aqueduct. And uh, they continue to go there. And then we kind of come down here to Palm Beach Downs and set things up in November. To, we, you know, you always have a lot of horses coming off of layoffs that need to get back going. And Gulfstream is, um, you know, it's, it's nice to be down here in the winter. It's great training for the horses. Um, you know, they've got great climate and the consistent tracks and stuff like that. But you don't, I don't really run as many horses down here. You know what I mean? You're kind of trying to set yourself up for a good summer because that's where the purses are. You know, the purses are good in the summer, and there's a lot more opportunities up, up, up there than are down here. So it's almost a little bit of a training ground and trying to get some of your good horses along. And if you have a derby horse, <laughs> like we did with Bacoma, then you want, you know, you want to you be based in the south. You want to be training the horse up in the north with all the, you know, bad weather conditions and whatnot. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I love, uh, you know, the, your two setups. I think you're great. Obviously, your setup at Saratoga is great. You've got a nice little spot right there by the Oklahoma. You know, you're right across from Todd. So, you, you know, you get to see all his nice horses, your horses. You're right there. It's just a great setup. And then and then even down at Palm Beach Downs, I, I think your setup there is great as well. It seems like it's almost like a private training facility for, you know, you, Todd, and a couple of others. It, it, it feels um, feels like a good place to try to do your job. The atmosphere of Palm Beach Downs, you feel like you're at your, you know, it's all, sometimes it can be a little too quiet, but it's great for the horses. They've got, you know, they've got some paddocks there. We've got a round pen, and it's so, it's just quiet. I mean, you can hear the birds chirping there, you know what I mean? If you get a video from a workout or whatever, I mean, the birds are, you can't even hardly hear yourself think because the birds are chirping so much. But it's, um, you know, it's a quiet place for a horse to train. It's just, uh, it's a great surface, and it's just, it's worked out for me. I think it's worked out well for Todd, just as far as one, running your horses at Gulfstream, but two, you know, coming up north for the rest of the year and having your horses have the foundation and to do well. Is there really an alligator that lives in that pond in, in the at Palm Beach Downs? There's a there's a few of them. There's, well, there's the main, the, the big kind of lake in the middle of the track. There's usually a big one in there. We we call it a female. I, I've never gotten close enough to verify that. We probably wouldn't know how to verify it if I, if I got that close. But um, yeah, she's usually cruising out there, and uh, you know, I'd say you see her probably, you know, seven out of ten mornings somewhere. And I guess she's hiding or not. There's other ones. There's other ones in the pond up there by the barn one. But we see more wildlife out there than you can believe. I mean, there's like otters, wild boars, coyotes, alligators. There was a swan. One white swan was hanging out there last year. Here recently, there's been like a like a flock of, I don't even know what kind of birds they are. There are these white, long-legged birds. There's like a flock of like 200 of them that show up there in the morning. And they're out there flapping their wings. And the horses have been watching them. But, uh, it's a pretty interesting place to be. George, I've seen you get on a pony before. Where, where did you? When did you learn to ride? Did you learn that in your career as a trainer? Or did you learn it uh, when you were younger? No, I just learned. I did take a few riding lessons when I was a late teenager, but it wasn't. Um, you know, just I, I kind of got the hang of uh, posting on a horse, which is which doing their trot and 
you know, you kind of bounce out of the saddle. So it's not, you know, most horses is pretty uncomfortable just to sit in the saddle when they're at a trot or a jog. But, um, you know, Wayne, they have ponies there and, and whatnot. And, um, I guess just experience there in the barn. Uh, you know, it's, um, and Cindy's helped me a lot too. You know what I mean? I've been with Cindy while she, she gives me pointers, but it's, uh, you know, it's not that difficult once you're around horses all the time. It's, you know, they respond to pressure up your leg and you've got your, and you got your hands on the rein. You just tell them what to do or they tell you what to do. <laughs> One or the other. Your, uh, your first derby horse, uh, was Tencender. And that was, uh, yes. th- did Manny ride that horse? Yeah, Manny rode the horse. And I was so happy to have that. I, I'm such a big fan of Manny's. And that was his first derby. I wish I could have given one. It was, you know, they would have run a little better. But, um, I, I sure was not glad to have him there. And then, uh, Vacoma. So you've had two derby runners, right? Am I, is that? Two, yep, two derby runners, yes. Is is that your is that kind of is that the race you you want the most or is you know you like Randy or you'd rather have the Travers? I'm on the Derby. I, I like the Travers, but to me the Derby is like it's just the race. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and I just you know as I was talking earlier, it's kind of like the, um, the all these horses you know coming from Arkansas, Louisiana, California, all these different circuits. Nobody knows which one, and you're putting 20 horses in the gate. You know, it's it's just crazy. I just feel like to win that race would be the, you know, that would be the, if I had to pick a race, that'd be the race. And I love the Travelers, you know, I love the Breeders' Cup and whatnot, and all the big races are good. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another place that I, I love to win a race at Ascot. I don't care what kind of race it would be. Ascot is the coolest place in the world. You know, we went there with uh, Cyclogenesis, but Matt Sherry's, and he just, you know, he got hot and dirty over there. He went his day. But what a cool place. But if I had to pick one race, it's the Kentucky Derby, hands down. No contest. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get uh we gotta get uh Jake Black type to get a get you a turf sprinter or something. <laughs> no, I know. He'd be game for that. He would like that, right? I tell you who you need to take over there is lead guitar. <laughs> I, you know what? She might be. She might be that good because she was getting real good at, at uh, last half of this year, wasn't she? Man, man. man. she is. Uh, like each race is better. Each race was better, man. Even this last one, the Moscato one, she, man, she left them. Yeah, she's impressive, man. She really is, and you know, she, she's, and she's. The thing about her I like is that she'll, she can kind of do anything. She can go up there and be involved. She can come from out of it. She finishes. She can win at six. She can win at five. She can win at five and a half. You know, she's good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, George, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, is uh, Up in Smoke. Obviously, uh, she's a, a filly uh, with, with our good friend Jake Ballas and, and with Randy as well. And uh, we told the story uh, when Randy was on about how he told Luis Saez that if uh, if he won up the rail, he wasn't going to pay him. Um, what do you expect from her next year when she gets back? Obviously, she went to the farm for a little bit to, to kind of grow up. And what are some of your thoughts about uh, about her moving forward? Well, one, I think that she's um, I think that she's classy enough and talented enough to be a greatest stakes horse next year. 
maybe we'll get lucky and she'll, you know, she could participate in grade ones again. But I do think that she's got a future. Uh, you know, she has the capability of being there. And one of the things that we'll be looking for is, is for her to kind of learn how to uh, be a little more uh, acceptable of the trip that she gets. You know what I mean? It's a little bit frustrating when you need to go outside and you need to have a pace because you're, you know what I mean? Because you can't stay involved early. And, you know, it was just a peculiarity of hers. Like I couldn't, you know, we really couldn't figure it out. Was it the dirt in her face or was it just being in amongst horses? It seemed like she just didn't want to be in amongst horses. So, you know, now with her coming back off a layoff, I have to, I probably will experiment with some blankets or something because it's going to make her a better horse. Like, you know, we, we won four races with her this year. She won the maiden, the Florida bread at one X, the one X and a, and a three-year-old Philly steak. And they're all good. But I kept, I knew when I was watching her run, it's like, she's not going to be able to do that against good horses. You know, you just can't do it. And sometimes you have a closer and you try to tinker with their style. Uh, you know, it backfires because then they hang on you. But with her, what she's doing is beyond that. You know, she was actually taking herself out and then coming again. And I think when you watch, I was pretty happy when Haramia rode her in that in the stake race at, at Gulfstream, the last race that she won this year, because he actually got her engaged at the half mile pole. And it helped her. Like, you know, she wasn't looking at, she wasn't looking at making up five lengths at the quarter pole. So I think that, that we have, I think the Phillies got a load of talent. And I think that, you know, that's my job as a trainer. If I can, I don't know if she'll accept my lessons to her, but I need to try to get her to, to you know, don't, don't be given head starts. You know, don't give the other horses a head start. You know, put yourself in a tactical position from which you can run from and you'll be a you know, much better race was. You know, what's crazy. And, and I, I think we all kind of forget about it too, is like, she basically won almost wire to wire on debut, you know, and she, she broke from the far outside. She didn't have anyone outside of her. She popped away from there and she was just always connected. And she drew away, you know, it's just, it's interesting, you know, obviously maybe being outside is what made the difference that day for her, but. Oh. It helps. I read, you know, I read did say that day that she was a little bit green. It was hard to see. I think, you know, as we were talking about when you rise up in class level, you know, making little mistakes hurt you more and more. And I think that day, you know, floor bread maiden race, drawn outside post, we didn't really see the, uh, you know, we didn't see that day some of the stuff that she was going to give us in the next couple of starts. Like that second start, I was, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I thought she was going to be eased at the three days ball, I didn't know what was going on. And when she came around again, I was like, I was thinking to myself, like, how good, how good could this Philly be if she didn't do that? You know? And she didn't do anything that drastic in her next few starts, but still she, you know, she still had a, a tendency to want to kind of drop out and not, you know, we, we kept drawing inside, which was no good. And then the, the six furlong stake at the Belmont, there was no pace in there. They went 23. And like I said, you can't, can't spot horses and give head starts against good horses. You know, you've got to be tactical even the gate. Another another fun horse we should probably talk about <laughs> uh, that that came at the right time, uh, right about right around the, the the time that you were having to process the news that Vacoma wasn't going to be able to uh, run in the Breeders' Cup. You know, ever dangerous gets the job done at seventy six to one, and uh, none of us really knew. <laughs> 
You know, I wasn't uh, – we were on the Austin Osbles that day, and I wasn't – I thought the race was pretty tough on paper. And my initial thought was, was like, well, this is not going to be the end of the world if we don't get in. Uh, it looks like, you know, a tough assignment. But I will say that that horse has been a little bit of an enigma to me. He, um, he trained uh, – you know, he trained very well before he ran first time out. You know, I thought that he had some promise, and he ran that way first time out. So after he won first time out, I'm, I, you know, I started thinking in my mind when he won first time out of Gulfstream, I'm thinking about the, you know, the Belmont Derby, the Penn Mile, the, the, the um, secretary, you name it. Any three-year-old grass stick that you could think of, that's what I was thinking the day that he broke his maiden, um, you know, I think in the spring at Gulfstream. And then he just got off track. We, we probably ran it back a little quick against the, in a in a stake at Gulfstream. Goofo won that day, and Goofo's a very good horse. But we kind of were right there and faded, you know, that when it counted down the lane. And I was like, wow, we ran it back too quick. You know, that just wasn't the right thing to do. You know, we'll just um, give him some time and come back an easier spot, get some confidence, and get back to where I want to be. And we then, you know, we got to Belmont. I was, I was, I, I was. Shoot, I think I bet on him that day when he ran the one other than at Belmont. He just didn't fire. I don't know. It was a one-turn mile configuration there, and he just kind of, like, when you tried to turn him loose, he didn't, you know, he just didn't respond. And I was scratching my head. I was like, man, I thought this horse was so good, and maybe he's just a morning goer. Maybe he just caught an easy group of Gulfstream, and now he's not matching up. I, I really didn't know what was going on. And uh, when we got to Saratoga, I was, you know, I didn't really know what to do with him. And they called me and they were, you know, I heard that the, um, I think it was the Hall of Fame that it was going to be a short field. I was like, well, I'll make five. Maybe the horse will jump up and go back to what I thought he was. I'll take my shot, right? And the short field is a guaranteed check, five horse field. And he he was nervous in the paddock and, you know, he he laid up close to the pace, but I mean, had no finish. I mean, he, he, I mean, he was done in the stretch. And at that point, Jonathan, I was like, man, I hate to say it, but we might have to run this horse for 40. You know, I'm thinking like, he's just, I, I've, I've given him several tries since his maiden one. He's not, it's not adding up. And I kept thinking about it. I mean, I think I called and entered him and probably took him out of the entries because I just, like he trained so well. I was like, I just can't get myself to do it. And then finally, we got in a one of the in September, I think it was September at Belmont. Maybe it was October. But, um, and he wanted, he, he wanted to, um, what was he, like 11-1 that day? Eric Cancel told Eric Cancel, I put him on the lead. I don't want any excuses. You know what I mean? I don't get in trouble. And he, he, he won a nice one of the end there. So I was like, oh, maybe we got what we got. And that race at Keeneland was, um, that was kind of the only spot really to go for, you know what I mean? It was like, well, the timing's right. And then when I ended up in the Bryan Station, I was like, oh, my God, this race is tough. Which normally, you know what I mean, I should have expected it. When it's Breeders' Cup weekend, if you got anything that's at stake, they're all tough. You know what I mean? People are like, well, they're bringing the Breeders' Cup horses. We'll bring out a good horse too, and we just have a party, run them all. So, but um, we the horse is doing real well now. We're looking to run out there in um, California in the Mathis Brothers. So I think it's the last greatest stake for three year olds on the grass of the year. So, it'll be interesting to see if he can step it up again. Georgia, you you one of the things I noticed um, about you, and I actually talked to Randy about it as well, is that. I mean, you, you use a lot of riders. Um, you know, you use Jose, you use Lescano, you use Javier, you use Johnny, Manny, Eric, Ricardo. How, how do you how do you manage all of that? And 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 it's you know it seems that you you have a pretty good relationship with all of them. 
I, I do. And then part of that, uh, I, I think, first of all, I don't have a deep enough barn to have somebody ride for me all the time. You know, I just don't. You know what I mean? Like Todd has a really deep barn. Chad has a deep, you know, if you're a rider and you can ride most of Todd's horses, then that's what, you know, you need to do that above all else. Same thing with Chad or even Ash Moose or whatever, right? I don't have a deep enough barn to always get one guy. You know what I mean? And um, so, uh, you know, I do like uh, the, the jockey con in New York is incredibly deep. I mean, you can go 10 deep there and you're good to go. You know, you're going to have a good rider, you know, and I have a lot of confidence in all those guys. I, I know that they, they have confidence in me as well. You know what I mean? I've I had a good percentage and they know that for the most part, I don't try to send horses over there that, that, um, that are a waste of time. You know what I mean? They know that I try to stop my horses, right. And then give them, put them in places that they got a chance to win. So I think all the guys like, you know, they like riding for me and, um, I have a good relationship with almost all of them and hopefully I can keep it that way. Now, how do you, do you often try to match up guys with what you think a horse is good at? Or, you know, do you, do you, do you, you know, you try to get Irad on the grass or you try to get, you know, Javier on a, on a, you know, a horse like Vacoma tactical dirt type and, or, or do you, does it, is it a lot less complex than that when you're trying to, uh, to find out who's going to ride your horses? There are some horses that I'm very conscious about who I put on them. Like I have a, you know, if you have a really nervous horse or a horse that needs quiet hands or uh, vice versa, if you need a horse that needs to be put on the engine, you know what I mean? You take a guy like Louis Saez, uh, Louis Saez is a great rider. He's very strong, but you know that he's going to place your horse. He, you know what I mean? He, he already has in his mind that he wants to put his horse in a good position. When they leave the gate, he's pumping on them at least to, to get a spot. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not a take back kind of rider. So if you want your horse to, you know, if you want your horse to be on the engine, he's a good guy to put on. And I would think about that. And he's not the only guy. There's quite a few, you know, Ricardo wants to lead to get great for Ricardo Santana up in Saratoga. And um, so I am a little conscious of it, but there are some horses that, you know, I feel like a, a wide, a, a wide assortment of riders would fit. It's not, you know, it's not uh, it's necessary to be picky about it. But definitely there's, you know, there's probably – you know, 25% of the horses, you're kind of like, ah, I really want this guy. I'm just going to fit him well or whatnot, you know? The last, uh, the last story I wanted to try to get you to tell, and (laughs) one of my favorite stories, but, uh, your dog, Jesse likes Angel Cordero quite, quite a bit, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Jesse, uh, Jesse got rested. So we, um, we were out to dinner, uh, with Angel and, and the crew. Uh, what was the name of that steakhouse over there? It's um, Shaw, right? Yeah, salt, we salt and Shaw, I think, yeah. Anyway, we were all having dinner there, and, and um, everybody, you know, ordered steak, and we were about halfway through the dinner, and, and Angel Cordero wanted to order, um, take something home to his girlfriend. So he asked for, you know, I think he asked for a ribeye, rare, yeah, he wanted a ribeye rare to go. And the wait, you know, the waiter was like, sure, we'll get that right out for you, sir. We'll be ready to go when you guys go. And um, so we were all wrapping up, and I had some steak left that I wanted to take back. You know, I had some scraps that I wanted to take back to Jesse. You know, Jesse's my boy. I mean, you know, I'd be like, he'd be happy when he saw me come home with the, with the scraps. And um, so they, you know, they came back out. We're paying the check, and they, they hand me 
they hand me my the dope, you know, the straps that I have wrapped up and they gave Angel his um you know, his state to go and a couple other people have some stuff to, to take too. And um so we all left. We left the restaurant and um I went home and I and I got to the counter and Jesse's looking up at me, he's wagging his tail, he's he's happy as could be. And um I open up his bag and look in there and I mean there is a perfectly brand new steak in there. And I just busted out laughing. I was like, Oh my gosh. And I knew that Angel was gonna take he was gonna take that my scraps home that Jesse was meant to get and give it to his girlfriend. And I just I mean, I could not stop laughing thinking about it. When I heard Angel tell me the next morning how it went down, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was it was insane. He he said it <laughs> I forget how he said it. He said his um, he said his he said yeah, I got you. He said I told his girlfriend yeah, I got you. I got you ribeye rare, just like you like it. And she was like, what? This is no ribeye. This is like crap. What is this? <laughs> I can't. I wish I would give anything to be able to bring myself into that room when that happened. Just to see Angel. <laughs> oh my gosh. He was probably so proud Jeff of himself when he told her. Saying. Oh yeah, yeah. Angel is like he said, yeah. He's like he tried to do the right thing, and man, he looked like a fool. He probably slept on the couch that night. <laughs> My goodness, that's unbelievable. Well, George, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. We'll we'll uh, we'll get together this summer at Saratoga and do a long sit down. Maybe we'll uh, uh, you know get over to the lake or something, hang out, and and uh, go into deep story mode. But I just wanted to get you and Randy on here to talk a little bit about Vacoma, just because. You know, I know how important the horse is to you guys. And as a fan, uh, you know, he was just, he was such a treat to watch. And, you know, obviously it's unfortunate he didn't get to run in the Breeders' Cup. But I think what he accomplished, winning the Met Mile, a grade one, winning the Carter, a grade one, um, and being undefeated around one turn, being undefeated this year, uh, I feel like he deserves um, recognition. And, and and I wanted to make sure that people knew more about him uh, prior to, to, to voting uh, for the Eclipse Award for, for champion sprinter. Great, Jonathan. I appreciate you being with us. And um, as always, a good luck handicapping. We'll be straight down the road. Man, such a fun episode to have those two guys on to uh, talk about this special horse, um, to talk about what he meant uh, to them, uh, George and his career, um, Randy and his ownership uh, career, and uh, such a cool horse, man. I, I sure do wish he would have loaded into that 14-hole Breeders' Cup Sprint Day, and, and we would have been able to settle uh, that situation on the racetrack. It's always nice when when those championships can be settled on the racetrack, and it's uh, it's uh, it's not the best to have to try to work through the paper to figure out. Uh, who the champion will be, but like we said at the top, both deserving champions, and, and we'll see what happens uh, when the voting ends. Um, I want to uh, thank Randy and George for taking the time uh, to, to talk and, and to tell some stories. And um, What else is going on? Uh, I think Pete and I are going to do an Eclipse Award show in general late, later in the week, just kind of talking about uh, where we would go in, in certain situations, kind of a debate-style type. I mean, who knows? We'll probably agree. A lot of them are slam dunks, right? Horse of the Year. I think it's probably a foregone conclusion. Three-year-old champ. Um, three-year-old filly, I guess, could get a little bit interesting. Um, female sprinter is likely a slam dunk. Uh, two-year-old slam dunk. Two-year-old filly could get interesting. Turf. We talked about Channel Maker. 
uh, with Randy Hill, hopefully channel maker uh, gets the job done there. But, you know, it's just, it's fun to talk about, you know, it's fun to, to kind of go back and forth towards the end and, and to, to talk about uh, some of these horses and, uh, and also the, the human connections as well. Some interesting races there for trainer and for jockey. So I, I think we're going to go over that this week, but you know, if it's not this week, it'll be next week. Um, what else is going on? What else is going on? That's it. Um, I want to, uh, to, to, to thank PTF, uh, who's probably still shopping for hats online. I want to thank Drew, our CFO. I want to thank um, Naomi, Talk Racing to Me, Maddie Ice, The Matt Bernier Show, Spencer L, because I still don't say his last name, Red Bull Rewind, Nick Luck with his daily podcast. If you want to know, know more about, you know, kind of European racing, it's always fun to listen to Nick, uh, always entertaining uh, daily podcast he does on the network. A um, couple of new shows maybe coming. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe. Uh, won't spoil that yet. And uh, I want to thank all of you for listening. Subscribe, like, retweet, forward, share, all of those things. Uh, the little purple podcast app, YouTube. I think we're gonna start doing a lot more video stuff. So make sure you're you're subscribed and, and, and locked and loaded there. And uh, what else? Yeah. Shop for Christmas. Get somebody something. Um. TRF hoodies, the the I won so today fun hoodies, and that's it. I will uh, check you guys out next week. Thanks so much. I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where? I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science, then let them in talk up their body. Another one body, that's just how it go. I got some secrets, I'm shaking the game so they stay on their toes. Stay in your lane, I to stay on the go. I can't play with the pros and act like a rookie, so they overlook me, they're not the belief.